Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start. If you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi everyone, welcome to the Car Chat Podcast. I'm Sam Moores and with me today we have Peter Greaves or Petrol Ped. Some of you may know him. Hi. Hello mate, how are you? Very good, very good. For those that sort of haven't come across you before, can you give me like a one, two lines? Who who, who are you and what do you do? Uh, I am uh, a car YouTuber. I never really know that now. Well, the really weird thing now is because I'm full time is when someone says, what do you do? I'm still struggling to explain what I do. So I'm a car YouTuber. I, I, I refrain from using the word influencer, even though that's actually, we kind of do that quite a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I basically make videos about cars and put them on YouTube. Um, and it, it, it was a, a hobby turned job. Um, and yeah, I'm very lucky and mm. I get to, uh, every t- every day I wake up and think, what am I going to film today? And I think, how lucky are you to do that? That's cool. That's a good place to be in. When mm. you, for those that, if you've not come across um, Peter or Ped or Petrol Ped or however you want to refer to However. Um, <laughs> we did a podcast a while ago, I'm going to guess, two years ago maybe, the first one. Um, it was, we talked it about, was pre-lockdown, so it would have been, yeah, yeah. Two um, and a half years ago probably about your journey and how you got into all of this stuff. And then we did another one about, it was about a year ago um, mm-hmm. with what you'd done up to this, sort of that point. But I think at that point in time, you weren't full time. No. So you've no. made the big switch. Yeah, it kind of, it, it sneaks up on you, I think. I think you, when you first start, I mean, I, I uh, any aspiring YouTuber out there will probably do what me and you and all of our kind of YouTube mates did and watch other channels and think, oh, I'd love to do that. And and you just start making some videos and um, 
are normally really bad ones and, and dream one day you might be that person on a launch or driving a supercar or or doing doing whatever cool thing that your kind of your youtube channels that you watch do and mm. you start doing that and then it, over time your channel grows and your following grows and your um reach grows so you start working with car if you're a car youtuber with car brands and things and then financially you start to earn a bit of ad revenue although i wouldn't start a youtube channel today <laughs> i don't think because the the rules are quite different now to when when i started anyway um but you start earning a little bit of revenue and i know to start with i thought if i could earn enough money to pay for the monthlies on my car um finance that would be all i wanted to do yeah. and then you hit that mark and then you think, well, hold on a minute. Maybe there's an opportunity to do a bit more. And, and you know, over time, eventually you get there. But even when you're there, it's still, it's, it's, it's not a, I often describe it to people. My, my job relies on me earning money based on an algorithm that I don't understand. And I don't <laughs> really know how to make it perform. And that's not, not a good place to be. That is, yes, that is a, a tricky master i would say and uh your point about trying to earn enough ad revenue to cover the car payment a lot of youtubers they just when they earn more revenue they just increase the car payments which yeah. which actually um is is quite is is a quirk of the automotive youtube space i think when you look at some youtubers um and they just are getting more and more and more cars over time and they go, this doesn't really make sense. Why are they doing that? There is all of the obvious reasons, like your audience views, if that's part of your channel. Um, but then as a business, um, because your business is based around creating content and owning cars and stuff, the car, your car payments are a cost of your business. So over time, you can pay off cars as part of your business costs and build up an asset base that at some point in time, when you decide to quit the whole thing, you could sell off. Yeah, it's it's funny actually because I'm I'm uh, maybe it's because yeah, I'm I'm thinking right, I need to buy a really cool car now because I've I've six years as a YouTuber and I've had a couple of minis which have been brilliant mm. for the channel, but I'd like to buy something nice. And I have talked to my accountant and stuff, and and there are there are things you can do and things you can't do, and I think it depends on who you ask, but. Um, for sure, you know, the, if you're making content around your car or, or for me, I do a lot of bike stuff as well, push bike yeah. stuff, then, then there are, there are costs that you can, you can put through your business because they're legitimate costs of making that video. And that, yeah. that means, you know, especially around things like modifying cars or, or, or adding to them in some mm. way, then, then that's definitely the case. But I think what a lot of people don't realize and I'm by no means in this league at all. But if you look at some of the really big channels like Tim and so on, that uh, Shmi, um, is a car for him or or for a bigger channel is a, a content journey. Yeah. And they have their lifespan. So, you know, you in the old days, it was I buy my car, I do 10 things I hate, 10 things I love, I'd yeah. wrap it, I put a new exhaust on it, then I'd sell it. And, and yeah. I, I know that's a bit cliche, but th there's still a journey that each car can have. Yeah. And what's quite interesting, my two cars on my channel are both minis. Um, and they're kind of, I've kind of done all I can do with those two cars now. And yeah. um, um, the difficult choice I'm facing now is do I, do I move one of them on and get something else? Um, 
So yeah, it's it's it is a funny one. But yeah, the 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 car finance thing, and it is funny how <laughs> I know to start with like if I could earn maybe two or three hundred pounds a month, that would be great. And then suddenly it's well maybe six hundred pounds a month, yeah, and then yeah, your yeah, car yeah. aspirations start going up. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. Do you th- do you think does that side of it obviously? Well, petrol heads. It's it's nice yep. owning nicer stuff. Um, but I've I would almost say, and it's it, it, all of these things mean different things for different people. So people buy cars for different reasons and whatnot. And I, I've been through quite a probably an extreme version of the car buying sort of curve. Really, and, and, I had not and, noticed that. Yeah, exactly. No, may not have noticed. Um, and I'm I think I'm heavily at the moment on the the downside of having gone crazy in reverse commas ticked off a, a few like big or one particular big car you know iconic etc owned it and then gone hmm after you know i think i had that for their 40 for five years six years maybe five and a half mm. something like that and gone okay i've got a lot out of that but like i'm it's still it's now i'm starting to see more negatives than positives and then it comes into market timing etc etc and i'm now very much in a less i want less in my i want less things just generally because it's like less decisions a a huge one was if you had a you know the the dream situation i was chatting to some friends and he was like i think i think if you gave me unlimited money i could do it in 40 cars (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he had his list of like 10 classics, 10 race cars, whatever, five dailies or something. And he was like 40. And I, um, my, and he was like, what about you? And I was like, genuinely, my honest answer to this right now is if I could somehow do it, I would rather have one car. Yeah. It, it's that it's never going to work because of usage and whatever and stuff like that. But yeah. I would love the one car because then you don't only servicing one car, you grab the keys to that one car. You're never like, oh, but I could take that one or I could take that one. You're never servicing mm. stuff, like all of that. So I'm I'm trying to sort of come back to a car to I, use. I think it's a I think it's a factor of growing older, right? But I yeah. I, I, I think some so I, I'm I'm a bit the same. I think much of the want is in the wanting, not the owning. Mm. So, you know, totally. one of the one of the things that I, I have always thought oh, I'd love to have a supercar one day. And actually, one of the things that YouTube has taught me is I'm now in a position where I can get my hands on quite a lot of different types of cars through the brands that I work with. So, you know, um, if I I, I did a a video last week with Audi and I really wanted a really good performance EV, Uh, I had a really good video idea and I got my hands on an RS e-tron GT and yeah. I had it for four or five days, did my film and experienced it. And it was amazing. Um, yeah. But I gave it back and then I can have something else. Um, and I think actually the the joy of doing YouTube is you get to, to experience lots and lots of different cars in lots of different price points. But you yeah. never have the pain of having to pay for them, the pain yeah. of the depreciation on them. And, and 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 you just give them back and then have something else. And And the more you do that, the less inclined you are to sink all your money in one car. Yes. Um, so, so I kind of, I kind of I, I get it, and um, I, I think that especially the really high end stuff. My my worry with 
with the YouTube world is, and I think we as creators have a responsibility that I think some take take seriously and deal with quite well and others don't, is um, there's a responsibility for me is if you if you go and buy a car, and, and it doesn't matter whether it's a supercar or whether it's a Ford Fiesta or, you know, something, is yeah. if you buy a car, especially if you buy a car new, there's a very good chance you're going to lose money on it. And in fact, actually... Mm. 90% of car purchases, you're going to lose money on it. And I think kids growing up watching YouTube could very mistakenly think that you can just keep buying and changing your cars all the time and 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 it have no financial repercussions at all. <laughs> and that's just not the case. Not at all. <laughs> and, and if you speak to any of, any of us, uh, we've all at some stage of badness been hit by depreciation, been hit by wanting to change or get out of a car and, and it costing you money. And, and I'm always terrified of that because it's happened to me a couple of times in the past. Not, I guess, for me at the time, it was big money. I remember we it's bought a big money. We bought like, a BMW 325 convertible, beautiful car, absolutely beautiful car. And I remember the numbers. It was twenty. It was thirty. This is dating it as well. It was thirty-two thousand pounds. It was a six-month-old ex-demonstrator, um, beautiful car. And we owned it for about nine months, 12 months. And then we realized mm. that it wasn't the right car and our journey profile had changed a bit. And we, we went to take it back to BMW and get it. And we got offered 21,000 pounds for it. Yeah. And at the time I just remember thinking, Oh my God, <laughs> oh, what have we done? But yeah. that's what happens. Right. And, and that, that for me, that's why I've always had, if you like normal cars, but I would, I, I am going to break those rules soon and buy something really nice because I'm fed up with having normal cars. But. Well, they're, and they're annoyingly. There is a, I don't know whether it's necessarily a price point, but there is a price element to it of there's expensive, normal cars in inverted commas. Like let's just say high end, let's say German saloons or whatever, you know, all the sort of stuff that is fundamentally not limited in any way, shape or form. And it's not considered like, it's like a nice, uh, nice car. Mm-hmm. Those all absolutely just like shit value, just <laughs> left, right, and center. I've lost way more money on my daily in inverted commas, which is like has been had an RS3, had an S3, I've had a lot of Audis, S4, like a bunch of those cars. Every single one I bought reasonably new, or the RS3 was new, and I've lost like chunky amounts as a percentage <laughs> yeah. on it. Whereas, let's say the car on the one of the cars, actually, actually, a few of the cars on the wall behind you, um, <laughs> if you had bought a Caterham, they uh, hold yeah, value. Well, the, oh, mate, that, that, so that car there, I bought that for £24,000. Interesting story. Yeah, I, I was, I was bought it with a friend. Uh, our mm-hmm. wives said that we could spend £4,000 £4, each to buy a track car. So combine <laughs> £4,000 to £8,000. So we looked at <laughs> M3s and a few yeah. other things. Um, and I said to my mate, Andrew, I said, look, I really want to cater them. I've always wanted one since I was at, at college. Um, but I, I haven't sat in one since the motor show in like 1990. So I don't know whether I fit. Let's go to Caterham and, and test drive one. And he'd never driven one. So anyway, we went to Caterham and bought a 24 grand super light <laughs> on finance. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that car, that was 24,000 pounds, ran it for two years, sold it for 24,000 pounds. Exactly. <laughs> So brilliant. that, like that, 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 that's a brilliant example of you could spend an amount that 
Anyway, that's like a, 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 a small hot hatch. In fact, yep. yeah, but you could even spend more on a small little hot hatch um, and retains its value. Brilliant. It's certain cars. What else? Other cars. Lotuses, surprisingly, like retain mm-hmm. value. Um, I guess they don't sell that many. Um, the GT4 behind you. Okay, my those, GT4. If you, could, if you could get those if new. If you can get one. Uh, um, yeah. Which you can now. I think you just put your name down yeah. and you wait and eventually you'll get one. I mean, I guess the other thing is the last six months, nine months, the whole used car market's kind of gone a bit topsy turvy, anyway, hasn't it? Really, the some of the yeah used car prices and that has spurred me to change cars a few times in the last yeah. things I wouldn't have done necessarily because of price changes. I've I've I've, I've kind of gone for it because I've owned a car that's gone up, and then it was like, well, okay, brilliant. And then somehow managed to do a, a good deal and, and, and like yeah. wormed my way through. And I'll call are you that, the trade up guy? <laughs> I, you I, are a trade up guy. I, I like it like a trade sometimes. But <laughs> the yeah, twenty twenty one was my like Ferrari year, the end of the Ferrari. So I called twenty twenty one for me. Like owned F forty, sold that eight twelve, lucked out. It went up went up so i didn't lose any money when i sold it or it was like 500 quid or something which i did i think three four thousand miles so i was kind of expecting pretty that's a pretty cheap three or four thousand miles in a front exactly i thought that was going to be chunky um then got into the lisso did five thousand miles in that and sold that for a profit small profit but like a profit which was like good great to a mutual friend (laughs) to a mutual friend whose car (laughs) you I've driven. I have. The, yeah. <laughs> uh, what's his? Dino. Dino. Yeah, two How's that? Dino. Yeah. I've not driven. Oh, one. mate. Oh, it was stunning. I mean, the, the there are things that y- you don't get in a car like that. To, you know, in terms of modern day performance and stuff. I mean, my no. my my mini has you know probably more horsepower than that. But the the whole experience of driving a car like that was just mind blowing. It really was, and um. You know the the noise it made because it's the the V6, which obviously quite an unusual thing for a Ferrari. Or the new one, the new uh, um, two nine six is V6. Um, but yeah, it was a beautiful car, really beautiful, and it drove beautifully. Um, you know, just I, I was quite surprised. I I assumed that it was going to come out with me, but he said, "No, no, <laughs> off you go." I was like, "Really?" I was like, nice. Yeah. I was like, okay. Um, but yeah, it was good. It was a good day because I drove a back to back. I drove that and a three hundred eight back to back. So that was a. And that how was did a good those two compare? So. Quite different, um, but yeah. So you drove a three hundred eight GTS. Yes. Yeah. How was that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, again, uh, uh, the replacement to the Dino. So um, a little bit more cramped inside. Bizarrely, I couldn't. I couldn't quite get my left leg in between the the steering wheel and the gear lever so it was kind of fourth and fourth was tricky fifth was okay um but yeah beautiful car um again a a, a mutual uh a friend stroke contact of ours it's his car and beautifully restored and you know absolutely stunning stunning thing um i should have really worn my hawaiian shirt and my got my tash growing <laughs> a bit more to do the whole magnum thing but yeah yeah um, but that that for me that those experiences that's why I do YouTube is the 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 opportunity to drive cars that I mean for me I think a 308 was probably the first 
it was certainly the first Ferrari I ever really kind of understood what a Ferrari was mm. and the first supercar that I kind of lusted after. Shortly after that, then, I guess, Ferrari-wise, you had things like the white Testarossa in Miami Vice and, and those type of things. But for me, Magnum PI driving is Ferrari. That was the first time I ever thought I – mean, actually, for many years, that was a Ferrari. I didn't know they made other other cars. Yeah. I just thought that's what a Ferrari was. So to, to, to drive one was very cool. Yeah, it's cool. And and, and I think driving – getting to drive cars, like I, I – very lucky to get to drive a lot of stuff and you're equally you get to drive a lot of stuff and i think that's part of the reason why now i'm like have owning cars is less important because i kind of get to drive things and so it's mm. like well if i've got one thing that i drive a lot that's that's slightly better for me but um one with this whole going full-time youtube i feel like yeah. this slightly ties in this is a tenuous link but we're going to get there okay um <laughs> One of the things that I know for me with the podcast, for me, the podcast has to make sense. Like it, it takes me a lot of time and I love doing it, but sort of financially it kind of has to make some sense at some point or at least have a vision to make sense in the future. And one of the reasons that it now works um, is because of a company called The Market who yeah. now you have a tie-in with. Um, my... I sort of met them through a mutual person on the internet who now works for them um, and have since met most of them um, and then Mm -hmm. now also Bonhams. But they, for me, it was, it was just, I didn't know much about them when they came about and then met the team who were just great. Like ignoring all of the business side of it like i really get on with the people behind it yeah um, which i think yeah. for, has helped me and what we want to do and i think they're very much from my side it's about they said sam like what do you want to do this year yeah like that yeah. that's how they approached it rather than like we want you to do jump through these hoops and they're like let's you know we want to help you and then we think that will probably help us um, yeah. How did you? How did you? How did you come across them? And mate, and well, it's because of you, them? actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, so two, two, couple of things. I mean, uh, for, firstly, I mean, I, I'm so excited about my tie-up with those guys for, for just the access to to cars and content that it'll bring. But I'm sure we'll talk about that in a moment. But I, I was at a, a, um, a party with a friend, and we got talking about cars and um the value of of high value cars and and so on and i just made a throwaway comment about your f40 having um been sold recently and the fact that you know on your podcast you documented it well you got to the point yeah. where you, you you were worried about every mile you put on it every scratch that it could get and, yeah. and and you decided to move it on and and at that party was uh the guy who started the market and we got introduced and you know that 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 was the conversation started really and my my the the reason why I wanted to kind of oh I thought it'd be a really great tie in you've mentioned about you know, being full time so you'll you'll be the same with your podcast you're always trying to find what the next guest might be and what the next next subject yeah. might be and for us as car YouTubers for me I'm always trying to find what what you know great cars to share with my audience so I don't have a massive car collection of my own I just still do create content with my own cars but it's all about new cars and mm. whilst i still want to cover new cars to market and press launches from all the big manufacturers that i work with i really like individual novel cars that have got a story that there might not be you know if you go to a car launch 
I love going to them. But if you go to a car launch, there'll be, I don't know, a dozen other journalists there, maybe half a dozen YouTubers. And within a day or two of the embargo lifting, you've probably got 10 videos on YouTube that are all very similar. It's very difficult to cut through, um, yeah. especially if you're up against the really big channels. And, you know, I, I, I love my reviews, but if, if, if I've got a choice, I'll go and watch Henry Catchpole because he's like the best, yeah. the best guy there is, you know? <laughs> um, so, so if you can do a video of a car that, that no one's done a video of, then for me, my audience enjoys that. I think it's interesting. And that's what the, that's what the market with their, their, uh, and Bonhams, their, their, their sale room, the cars that go through there, some of those cars have just got incredible stories and are really special. And it might be, yeah, it might be something like your F40, which I'm still bummed I never got to drive, by the way. But you know, <laughs> um, all the guys at the market love driving it. Um, <laughs> but um, or, or it might be cars from my early driving days, you know, a, a Renault 5 GT Turbo or a Lotus yeah. Carlton or um, a Renault. They just sold a Renault Clio Williams. Absolutely beautiful mm. thing. So it, it's not going to be the always the the, the ridiculously expensive high flying supercars, um, and that for me I'm I'm really really excited. And the Dino and the 308 was the the first two videos that I've done with them. I'm going to do a series called Hammer Time, which I thought was I'm not going to wear big baggy shorts, but um, <laughs> a, a play on the gavel going down. Yeah. Um, and 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 it's it's really exciting. Um, so yeah, the the hope you know hopefully because we 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 could do some stuff together, which would be really good this year. I know uh, the guys are very excited about some of the things you want to do, and and likewise for me. So it's um it's a, a really exciting development in the channel for sure. Yeah, and it's finding for me. I, I've realised I've I've had an op- opportunity. Well, for with let's say podcast and a little bit YouTube, but I kind of. I want to do YouTube only when I kind of want to YouTube, if, if I can help it. Like I don't particularly want to do that, that much at the moment. But finding partners, for me at the moment, it's really important and it's so valuable to find a partner like my partnership with the market and now Bonham's. Like it's long-term, everyone's kind of in it. I feel like everyone's pushing the right direction and it's it's going to be for a long time. So the stress effort side of it you've got obviously got to deliver your side and they help you and whatever and they do their side um but working with a company for like one week or one video um on a small one-off thing Mm. um i think a huge part of it and this is part of the thing i talked to to them about was to be honest just the authentic authenticity side of it Mm. like i would rather and i think anyone would but like I'd rather find three brands that work together to mm-hmm. for different type, you know, each of different thing and work with three brands and help them, me, and just do that. Mm. And then be sorted and not be like, oh yeah, here's this random whatever electronic device that I'm gonna <laughs> tell you about for one week and you're never gonna hear of it again. Like Yeah. And do you know, uh, uh, for me, I've done a couple of videos on my channel about it. And, uh, you know, for those people listening, the, when when someone says, oh, they're full-time YouTube or full-time podcaster, the undertaking, that, that that's actually to, to monetize your audience in a way that doesn't kind of switch your audience off 
is super difficult for me. I think, you know, you probably have the same. I get I get approached probably by three or four different brands every day saying, will you advertise this brand on your channel? And that could be anything from a, a an online game, a gambling app, a piece of technology, um, mostly not car related at all. Yeah. And I just delete every email without reading it because I'm just not, you know, yes, you could earn a quick buck and do a brand integration, but uh, that's, it's a very difficult balance to strike. So, you know, for me, um, relationships that can help me create content and support me funding the making of that content, that's super, super important for me. Um, and actually the, you know, work, working with brands, I, I, I'm more about what content can I get out of this and, and, and how interesting and diverse can it be? Um, and, and then the financial side of things are, are secondary to that. Um, even though they're probably the most important bit because they yeah. allow you to focus on creating your content. Yeah. Um, I think that's the, that's definitely an element that's slightly different with the, let's say advertising on a podcast, because fundamentally you're not, they're not necessarily, they can help you create content and actually with the market and the bottom stuff we they are, we are going to do some content. Um, mm. But it's it's just it's finding the sort of affinity with the right people hmm. and all of that because the the amount of effort involved in finding this stuff and putting it together and then you stress about it and then you're like ah, actually this one doesn't fit that well or like hmm. it does but I'd rather do it long term hmm. or do something you know a different structure and they're like no we need you to do this video I find like psychologically you do that and it eats away at you a little bit. Mm. And like over time, you're just like, and your audience is where they pick this stuff up and they're like, that person will advertise anything. And yes. And I I don't want to be that guy. I've seen other channels do it and I don't want to be that guy. Um, no. And I think the long term value. I've, I've, I've tried a few integrations. I, I did one. Um, I wasn't massively comfortable with it. It was for a, share trading app um and mm. the reason i didn't like it was because because it was an fsa regulated thing there was a whole script that you had to kind of nail okay. word yeah. for word and and it just it just jarred me a little bit so i i that put me off so yeah um, it, it's a it's an interesting one and and i you know i i get it i, I get why you know uh, the, the the comments i find most difficult to deal with sometimes they just wind me up is when someone says oh what's your video and there was loads of adverts in it I'm it's like, free, well, uh, you're watching it for free. If you don't want the adverts, pay for YouTube premium um, and, you know, or, or skip the adverts, but you're watching it for free. You watch a TV show on ITV yeah. for free and have an advert every 15 minutes without complaining. It's it's exactly the same model. Um, yeah. And, and I, I, you know, one 20-minute video for me is probably a day's filming and six to eight hours of editing, you know, three times a week. <laughs> So you know you yeah. it, it, you've got to fund it somehow, <laughs> and you've got to, so, you've got to fund the your life and whatever and and all that yeah, stuff. And I, yeah, exactly. I don't. I think a lot of these things have their place, and I think most people will not necessarily market. They'll do smaller things when they're smaller because that's what you can get. And you're like, actually, yeah. I like this company, and we'll only do one video and whatever. Like that's yeah. you've got to make the money somehow. Um, but then longer term, I think most people or the sensible ones have a yeah. a more like, let's try and work, 
you're, you're pitching for those bigger deals. It takes more time. I've personally found meeting people face-to-face and having yep. a relationship face-to-face delivers deals rather yep. than an email. It, it can work, but like that's kind of how I'm focusing a lot of my time now is is meeting people and building these relationships so that when, if, if something comes up, they're like, yeah, 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 let's do it. And it's not going to be a pain in the ass and you'll get paid and like all yeah. that stuff. And you've got to, you know, I work with some, I've got some amazing partners that help me with the channel. Um, and you know, the bottoms in the market of the, of the, the latest of, of that Hendy's is a, uh, I've worked with mm. the Hendy group for nearly 12 months now, amazingly supportive. And, you know, again, that, that was a, that was a, a an agreement where you know I get a, a a long-term car from them on a every two to three months and yeah. and for me the importance of that is I get to you know sometimes you, you know you'll get a press car it'll be a day two days a week if if you're lucky yeah. um you can learn a lot about a car in a week but you really want it for longer than that so I can have a handy car for two or three months and and really really get to grips with the ownership experience and create content mm. based on that so that's the that's the attraction of that of that partnership so yeah it is you're right that the the longer term ones um are they're important and you know try you know you try and the 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 the, the real challenge is you you pitch the idea and you come up with the benefits for both parties and then you've got to deliver. <laughs> and that's the yeah. bit that keeps me awake at night sometimes because you think, oh no, you know, my I've done a video and it's not performed or whatever. And, you know, it, it's a real pressure, you know, whenever you do a, a some kind of, commer- you know, monetize yourself, there's a, there's a pressure. Uh, it's like when you go on a, for me, when I go on, even today, when I go on a press launch, if I get a brand fly me, it was really interesting. I'm listening to your podcast with a guy from Toyota, mm. um, and the to, to hear the press team's side of of things and the cost really associated. Good. He was really really useful for me as a as a as someone who who deals with that type of team. But the costs of delivering a press car for a week oh, that shocked me. You know, or the cost of flying a bunch of. Uh, journalists out to another country to test drive a car you know yeah. there's a you, you need to justify that and you need to come up with a um a story um uh, yeah, that's a, a, you know and, uh, i found that podcast fascinating um and I, I, by the way I, I then i then emailed him and came up with a story about a hydrogen fuel cell car and went and drove the mirai which was amazing nice <laughs> so, so yeah. it, this is a guy called james clark he's head of toyota and lexus uh, marketing pr one yeah. of those anyway it's sort of all the press stuff and we had a really good chat and I asked him all the kind of honest questions that I think people don't ask. Um, like what happens if I crash it or like, you know, all these sorts of things. And yep. he was super, super, super honest. Um, I, I find it really interesting that manufacturers still do. And I totally understand because it's the way they've done it, but I, I'm kind of amazed they still do these press launches. I know they kind of have to, they have to do some kind of launch. But I'm surprised there aren't more just like, here's the car, it's going to turn up on your drive. I guess yeah. if, secrecy is a, is an element, but let's say that for the UK people, just do a UK one. I don't know, yeah. maybe the cost I, isn't so much more. I think there's a bit of legacy. I think the, the legacy, what I'd call the proper journalists that are there, that, that's kind of how they've, they've done things. And, you know, actually as a YouTuber, some of those press launches, wonderful as they are to go on, they're actually really, really hard because you you have to create content and the routes that are plugged into your sat nav 
you, you've never, you've not wrecked them. You don't know them. And you've got, I don't know, you know, you've got to create a video in a day and think of a story that no one else is doing. And it, it's, it's a, I don't want people to feel sorry for me, by the way, because I know it's wonderful and, and really cool, but it, it's, it's a lot of pressure, you know, to, to, to try, try and get a video made in a day and, and make it quality and have a you've got to learn yeah. the car in like an hour and understand it and try and come up with some kind of commentary about it um but no that that for me and you know i'm not you know fanboying here but i've I've listened to pretty much every podcast you did in fact the reason i'm here today is i messaged sam went sam you need to do some more podcasts because i've ran out i'm going back <laughs> and re-listening to them again because i listen to them whenever i'm on a long journey but that one i really enjoyed that podcast i found it for me as a YouTube car YouTuber, super, super interesting. Yeah, I think a lot um, of very useful. people are interested in like whether the journalist side or maybe content creators, they were very, very much like spelled out, like all of the stuff that you need to know, ask, whatever. If you're, um, if you're a, yeah, I mean, if you're a, an aspiring YouTuber, um, I mean, I, I, you know, I have people all the time say, how do you get a car? How do you get, how do you get a car ask. for a week? Uh, well, you ask and you come up with a story and you have an audience and, and so on. Um, by the way, um, I need to ask you about a couple of cars that you've driven recently. I know it's okay. your podcast and you're, you're asking me. Go questions, for it. But, I don't mind. Um, the, the Morgan Super 3. I have not driven it. Oh, were you just, just there looking at pictures or looking no, at no, the car? No, you were there, the you car. were there the other day. Oh, you didn't get to drive the it? Mobility thing. It's yeah. not, it's, you can't drive it. It's oh, like a no. VP1. Oh, I thought you, I thought you drove it. Oh man! Oh good, no, that makes me feel better because <laughs> I was really jealous. Um, I was like, oh, I want to drive that because that looks it was, wicked. It's really cool, and they had um, so it was at Morgan Works, which is their London showroom. Yeah, they had a, in a muse, and I messaged about doing this podcast with the head of design for Morgan about the car, and I wanted to just you know ask all the questions, etc. And they're like, "Well, you can go and see it. It's in the showroom." So I just went to the showroom and I had arranged, but you could go. Like It was there for a week. No one knew it was there, but if you just happened to walk past, you would see the new Super 3. And they had one of the old ones next to it. And after having a look around the new one for like five minutes, um, we went and had a look at the old one. And the old one suddenly looks like some sort of relic. Like yeah. it's, You first see the new one, like, hmm, this looks a bit weird. Then you go see the old one and then you come back to the new one and then look round it. And there's so many elements of the, what do you call it? It's not a car, vehicle thing, um, three-wheeler, I guess. Fun machine. <laughs> Fun machine, exactly. Yeah. There's so many elements about the design and stuff that are all about making it better to drive, making it better to use, more storage, like all of this sort of stuff. That yeah. If you've driven the old one, even things like, the old one, the exhaust went down the side, and you go, "That's fun." It's fun until you burn your like calf on it when yeah. you get out. And like, I think anyone that's been near a three wheeler has probably got very, very close to getting seriously burnt um, yeah. on their leg. Um, it just looks. So wicked. It, I mean, it, I watched the I watched uh, really cool. the car affection video this morning. The panniers that you can clip on the side and the back. It just yeah. looks brilliant. So I, I'm I'm having recently driven plus four and plus six as a result of listening to the podcast. Um, what? Uh, yeah. What did you think of them? Um, I, so uh, they're both stunning cars. I, I really enjoyed driving them. Um, plus four for me, it was the manual one I drove, which I, mm -hmm. I liked, but I think it would probably, 
quite quickly not have enough power for me. And I know it's not about okay. power, but I'd want a little bit more oomph. The plus mm. six has all the oomph, but it's got a it's got a flappy paddle ZF yeah. gearbox. And and I my brain when I'm sat in a classic Morgan, my brain could not get over changing gear with paddles. I wanted a manual gearbox in that car. Yeah. I, I just and I, I know it changes gear brilliantly and, and all that kind of stuff, but for me that car has to be a manual for just for me and the what what I want from a car. I want to heel and toe and engage with the car. Yeah. Um it was ballistically quick and fun and it could do with a diff as well, to be honest, because they they've both got own diffs. But yeah. um I yeah, I love them. I love them. Uh, really, really cool. Um and, and as a caterum owner, it has a lot of the kind of caterum esque thing, but it does, doesn't I, it? I would I would quite happily take my wife away for the weekend in a Morgan to a nice hotel. I probably wouldn't do that in a caterum. No, Caterham would feel, it seems too extreme, I think. Mm. And they, yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting. I drove them ah, plus six, not a while ago, I think after it, not too long after it had come out um, yeah. and they'd had a road car and stuff. And it was this kind of crazy turbo experience, but in a car that for me, it didn't really feel like it could handle it. Like mm. it, it was a bit sketchy. Um, but then I drove the plus four probably a year later or whenever that was, um, and had it for four days or something at home Hmm. and really liked it. Like, yeah, I think a huge part of it was the manual gearbox. Just the way it worked with the car and whatnot. Um, I, I, I would have a plus four over a plus six personally. And as someone said, you can always, because it's a BMW engine, you can always just, put a chip on it or you know just you just could. give it give it a bit more give a bit more oomph with a new map yeah if you wanted a bit more i thought it was a really nice like fun ex- yeah. experience and you have to you kind of have to go to the factory look around the factory see how they're made yeah. and then you get in the cars and you drive the car and you're like it's a morgan it's not a cayman gt4 yes like, absolutely yeah they're I mean, all just, hand built the, the the craftsmanship i mean i i you know, I did the whole factory tour and then drove them back to back yeah. all on the same day. And it was, it was mega. It was a really, really cool. And actually, you know, it, anybody can go to the factory and have a tour. Anybody, you can hire yeah. one of the cars. So you could go down and, and have a factory tour and drive one around the Morvins in the afternoon and, and have a great day out. It was, I it recommend was brilliant. that. Yeah. I would take um, a three wheeler. I would take a super three when, when yeah. you can do that with a super three or a, one I of the others. I've never driven the original three wheeler, so I wouldn't know. But I, I can't wait to drive that car. So understeer, understeer, oversteer. That's, that's a three wheeler in a nutshell. <laughs> Sounds like a recipe for fun. And then the other car you've driven recently, which just looked, frankly, quite ridiculously awesome, was the new Radical, the SR10. Yes. <laughs> oh, um, Have you driven that, that, anything like that no, at all? No. Mm. no okay no yeah so and I, I watched that video and thought well it's got aero so if you're not used to driving an aero car i'd imagine it's quite a big step to go straight into that but it did look awesome it, yeah it took me quite a long it, i had three sessions uh three 30 minute sessions and really i should have it, this is when the blend of filming and not filming and stuff comes in because if you've got you arrive you've got to check in whatever do your stuff then you've chat to everyone and then you've got to film some stuff then drive the car and then you've probably got 
You've got the amount of time that your session is, I think maybe 45 minutes or something like that in between mm. your sessions. And to get out the car, do a little debrief, film a video, go to the loo, eat a little bit of food, have a drink, and then like be back in the car again. So filming and back in the car. Like you mm. don't actually have very much time to really like decompress and think about. No. And looking back at it now, I would have just for me personally, it would have been really beneficial if I'd one sat down with the driver coach at the very beginning. I don't think he'd driven the, that car around that track. So had said, okay, I'm going to sacrifice 10 minutes of my first 30 minute session, but I want you to go out and do a really far, just, you know, go flat out. Mm. And then I want you to come back and we're going to sit down in the next break and talk about how we're approaching every corner. Mm. Mm. Because I've driven that track in an SR3, which is the race car I have, but only like once in a test day. And I, I don't really remember much about it, but it was a bit like, mm. I think first corner is like fourth. I think, I can't remember. Whereas if you said Silverstone, where I've done a lot more in a three, I know each corner, exactly where the braking point is, exactly where the turning point is, how much throttle, how much braking, what the brake curve looks like. So whether it's like, high initial and then like off or gradual or a little, you know, various Mm. shapes and whatnot and like park throttle and all of these things get you so that I can get quite quickly, let's say Silverstone up to the fastest time I'm capable of. Mm. Whereas dropping Mm. in into a new car where the speedo wasn't working, which I think the GPS, there's something about the GPS wasn't working at that point in time. So I had no speedo. I just had gears, which... (laughs) You're arriving at a corner and you're like, I think I'm going really fast, but I have no idea of the gearing. So the <laughs> corner one at Snetterton, um, I was at the top of fifth, like on the limiter pretty much, and you can pull into sixth. And I was like, I know you only need to sleep, slow down, but normally I don't slow down that much for this corner. So you slow down a bit and then you go around the corner and you're like, okay, maybe I could go faster, but I don't know. Looking back, I got the gearing, the technical information for the gearing. And the top of fifth is like 170 miles an hour. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so. so <laughs> yeah, get that wrong. So That's you need hurt. to slow down to like 125 or something for that corner. Um, so you're doing a lot of braking. Um, but that would have been, oh. I, I think, if I'd spent more time doing that. But, but basically. <laughs> A crazy experience. SR3s on tracks are mental, yeah. but they they hit the... As you get faster, they slow down and they kind of top out about 130 or 35 or something like that because they've, mm. they they've not got enough horsepower to overtake the downforce at that speed. Whereas the SR10 has double the horsepower pretty much, a chunk more torque because it's a turbocharged engine, mm. and it just keeps pulling and pulling and pulling. And it'll go up to like 175 or something. Wow. So, and it's got the similar aero, similar balance, a little bit less weight. So yeah. what I was finding was I was approaching corners at Snetterton. There's another corner. I think it might be called Hamilton. Um, it's on the like infield. You do a hairpin yeah, I've not, left. I've not driven Snet, so I don't know. Okay. You do like a hairpin left and then there's like a fast kind of left and they put a barrel there. At Snetterton, they seem to love putting barrels on corners <laughs> that you've got to dodge. Um, and I... 
was always braking really heavily to sort of slow down to a speed that I thought was about right and then pitching the car in. And basically what I was doing was braking too hard um, and then coming off, sort of too hard and then trying to turn the car and the aero platform. So the car basically needs to be level or Mm. somewhat level for the aero to work underneath. If you smash the brakes, the front goes down, the back goes up, you mess the aero a bit and then you try and turn in and it's not got that much downforce and the back tries to swap with the front. Um, Which isn't good. (laughs) So towards the end of the session, I was working on breaking the same, let's say we've got a, you know, a graph where you break really hard at the beginning and then you tailor off towards the end. Same area under curve, so same amount of speed reduction, but over a longer period of time. So you break softer for longer. Right, okay. Which might seem counterintuitive generally if you're like, well, I want to hit the brakes as hard as possible, scrub off to the speed that I want to go in the corner as quickly as possible, and then go around the corner. In a car that's heavily aeroed, like GT3 cars, I think are the same, these radicals, etc. The first two thirds or third of the braking is about shedding a lot of speed. But then the next bit is all about setting up the balance of the car for the next corner. Right, okay. So you're very like managing that bit of how you come off the brakes to get the car somewhat flat. Then you've got maximum downforce and then... When you go around the corner, it all feels super smooth and super grippy and all that stuff. So it's absolutely mental See driving that, that car. What, what I love about talking things like that is that <laughs> when when you watch TV, especially if you're watching Formula One or, or any of these kind yeah. of race series where they've got aero, is you, you for me the thing whenever I've done any driver coaching or spoken to any top end race driver is the thing that in, it just impresses me immensely, and I know I haven't got it, which makes it more impressive, is the bandwidth that they have to be able to deal with, not just driving a car fast, but deal with all the other stuff, you know, the mm. the braking, the bleeding the speed off, the aero balance, the managing tyres, the getting on the throttle. At the same time, you're probably changing a map on the steering wheel or your brake bias or something. and and then And then being able to come back in and recount all of that almost – turn yeah. by turn gear shift by gear shift and and i just i just think that it's incredible it's because incredibly know, impressive when, when i did i i did my racing a couple of years ago in a clear but i had i had two days with a driver coach and and mm. on one of the sessions he said right i want you to go out for five laps and then come back and tell me about it so i went out for five laps came back <laughs> yeah. in and he said how was it i said well it was all right he went no 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 tell me about it right so as you approach turn one and he wanted me to talk through those five laps almost you know, fifty feet by fifty feet, yeah. and and I was like, I said, Mark, I, I, <laughs> it's, I haven't got that in my head. It's, it takes, like you said, it's the bandwidth, and yeah. that's something about, let's say, you you go. It's why you can go to somewhere, a track, your local track, a, a, any track, and you can go and do. You are someone that's done like five laps. And you're like, how how is it? How how well do you know? Let's say Silverson, like, yeah, pretty good. Like, hmm. you know, I know this is a left, that's a right. You ask someone that's done like 500 laps and they're like, pretty good. Like, pretty good. But like, I'm not sure. And they'll talk about the texture on the curbing. Yeah. Little bits of like polished, you know, this, oh, actually, this this particular curb, if I go over that part of it, there's a bit more grip than this part. And then you 
change it to the wet and whatever. And the, the sort of the resolution of the track goes yeah. up and up and up and up and up over time. But one of the things I found about, let's say, not having driven, if I haven't driven my SR3 in a long time, it's my bandwidth is massively reduced because you're just mm. not used to the G-Force, what it can do. And then whenever you drive a new car at a track, and I think it's one of the reasons why if you get to drive, let's say, a Ferrari, it might be an F8 at Goodwood, and you've got three laps and there's an instructor next to you, there's a reason they give you like three laps. Yeah. Not ten. And it's because you're so out of your comfort zone for the for three laps that you don't push that unless you're mental yeah. And like you're still getting used to the speed and the brake and, and like I've got to go left and I've got to go right and whatever that you never really push that car that hard and they mm. get their car back. Yeah. If they give you 15 laps, <laughs> people start to push. They start to get confident, yeah. and then they put it in a wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which isn't a good, not a good thing, not a good thing. But yeah, it's it, it's an interesting one. The SR10 as a track day, it, it's a race car, so you can go race it, but. If you wanted to buy a track day car and you wanted the ultimate, like, fastest thing, um, I would say an SR3 is great, but on a track day, it's not very good because it doesn't have the straight line pace. It's not yeah. slow, but it doesn't have the, the straight line pace from, let's say, 80 miles an hour up to overtake fast cars. Like, mm. yeah, the stuff you see on a high-end track day, 911 Turbo, 720S, all that sort yeah. of stuff. SR10 has the aero to do the corners crazy fast and brake really late because it only weighs like 700 kilos or whatever. But it has the punch and the power to weight to keep pulling so that you can pull up next to an R8 on the straights and just put your foot down and you are going past it. And you're going faster anyway coming out the corner. (laughs) So then you're the first person to the next corner. Yeah. Which means you can attack the corner how you want. Whereas often it's maybe if you're in a catering or something light, something kind of quick, but that's not that fast on a straight, you get to the corner and there's some absolute bleep in there in whatever (laughs) that's gone down the straights at 180 miles an hour, slammed on the brakes, and then is going 50 miles an hour around what is a hundred mile an hour corner. And you're not allowed to overtake them. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in your SR10, you you just gone, yeah. gone, yeah. gone, gone. <laughs> no, so, yeah, no, I that's, mean that's a radical SR10. Yeah, it, look, it looks good. It looks good. I've I've done. Um, experience. I don't know if you see. I've, I'm doing some stuff at the moment with Nichols Automotive. I don't know if you've seen the Nichols M1A car. Um, I saw something. So just it, do a quick, it, just do a Google for it, Nichols M1A because this is your kind of car. Because one of the things listening to your podcast is uh, is one of your recurring themes is lightweight cars. Right, you love yeah. your lightweight cars. So the, oh, the, ooh, look at the Nichols M1A. So it was designed by Steve Nichols, who was the chief designer of the McLaren MP44, the the most mm-hmm. successful Formula One car of all time. Um, but it's it's a, a a kind of modern day homage to the McLaren M1A, but it's nine hundred kilos, and. Yeah. Uh, They've got a range of different engine options. Um, so that the car that you, if you're watching, uh, on, online, that, that's their prototype. So their, their first production car is going to be literally just the next couple of weeks. I'm going to see the yeah. chassis next week. Um, 
but and they're, and they're putting an LS7 7 litre Chevy V8 in the back of that with nice. 610, 620 horsepower and it weighs 900 kilos. That's going to be a mental. Six speed manual box. Yeah. Um, and it's oh, based well, around. Yeah, loads of torque. It's based around um, a bonded and extruded aluminium chassis. Um, bit of carbon fibre in there. Uh, but, yeah, beautiful thing. So I've done uh, the f- first video. Um, I've just done a, an interview with um, John Minot, who's the, the MD of Nichols Cars, and and um, uh, Steve Nichols, uh, the designer. Mm. What, a, what, a, what a – you could – I tell you, if you just had a beer in a pub, you could sit down and chat with that guy forever because he's got so nice. many amazing stories. He worked with Senna and Prost and he worked at, he was worked with John Barnard bringing carbon fiber into Formula One. Mm-hmm. He obviously worked on the design of the MP44. Um, he then went to Ferrari, I think, and worked in a number of other, other kind of Formula One teams, but amazing stories, absolutely amazing stories. But I, I, that car, that's going to be right up your street when it's done because it's, it's. So is this going to be a, a road car? It's a, it's a it road legal only? track car. It's, it will be road legal. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that sounds nuts. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, and they've got they've got the um, the suspension setup was from uh, I can't remember his name now off the top. Of it was the big suspension guru from Lotus. He left Lotus about three years ago. Um, so he's done all the suspension and geometry. Um, mm. The 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 chassis's been designed by. The guy who was responsible for um, the kind of Lotus use of bonded extruded aluminium, and then he went and consulted for Land Rover and did their chassis when they went to um, aluminium. Um, so yeah, it re- amazing dream team almost of of designers, but yeah, really cool. So um, as I said, I'm, what's it going to cost? I I don't know, um, and I I, I, I don't. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know. tell you or you don't well, know? I, I still think they're kind of working out what that number's going to be. It's not going to be okay. a kind of billion pounds. It's going to be a, a, a few hundred thousand pounds, I think. Um, okay. But they're, they're pretty much one-off, so you can have anything you want. They've got a choice of engines from, I think, the car, the, the prototype car, that's got an LS2, about 500 and something horsepower. They're all mm. big V8, big Chevy V8s, basically. Um, they're kind of like an homage to the old Can-Am, Can-Am cars. Yeah, they sort of um, look like that. Um, but they've got you know modern-day wheels with a modern-day tyre profile, uh, big brakes, um, you know, uh, underneath those tyres. So it's it's a it's going to be a proper bit of kit, that's for sure. So. I think there's there's a lot to be said for those sorts of vehicles for the Sunday early morning when no one's around, drive, wake up all your neighbours type yeah. situation, yeah, or your and take it to a track. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 and 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 put a, put the hammer down on on some stuff like yeah, Are those sorts of powertrains. What's another one that you see um, every now and then? I saw my first one. It's like a not the ultimate, not, so, not like this, but a kit car, an Ultima, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I saw my first oh, Ultima RS, yeah, which had a ls something in it with like 700 horsepower or something like that and you're like yeah but surely that's going to be like in reality that's going to be too much yeah for a road situation the the, the interesting thing they they're so at the moment there's no driver aids on that car at all um Mm. they they even took power steering off because it gave better feel but i think they are gonna have the option of uh, or you can be, or you'll be able to option a kind of traction control 
um, stability control system on it. But if you buy it, there it comes with driver training and and stuff, so you can, uh, you know, just in case you, you you're not used to that kind of immense power in a car that weighs nine hundred. In fact, they think if the the when the car. Because the the prototype is based on a proprietary tubular steel chassis, so the 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 car mm. that that we'll see, they're going to do the shakedown in a few months' time. Um, I'll be there documenting it for the channel. But they that car could be less than eight, uh, than nine hundred kilos. So that's pretty wicked. bonkers. I know. <laughs> I love these sorts of projects. Like I, I love that we're seeing you know these things are out there. People are making the stuff, and well, we you know, can right? sell a few. <laughs> yeah exactly i saw the um i did an interview with one of the guys from brm oh wow um about their v16 yeah recently um have you seen one of those i yeah probably at goodwood i think maybe um is that, yeah, was that a formula car yeah or was that yeah yeah it never did um v16 it never did very well yeah um but they basically I didn't know much about BRM until yeah. chatting to this guy. Like, I didn't know much about them. I had um, a Yardley the, BRM the Scale Electrics car as a kid because my brothers were obsessed oh, with BRM. Nice. So, yeah. My Scale Electrics was a F40 and a XJ220. Excellent. And I think I had some others, but like those came as the the kit. Um, and you ended up, but you yeah, ended up this... owning an F40. That's got to be the coolest thing ever. You ended up owning the Scale Electrics car That's you had as a funny. kid. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and I definitely made that F40 like jump on the scale electric track. <laughs> <laughs> I did not do that with the real thing. No. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, so that was it. it I, talking to them about that car, I didn't realize that for them, it was kind of like an engineering exercise of Britain, like British excellence. Yeah. So this, these things were built like a, you know, like a fine watch, but in car form. Yeah, like the the whatever speedo had two hundred parts in it when most speedos had five parts in them because they're like <laughs> let's over engineer this in far too many ways. Yeah, um, it's, it's sort of really cool. There's so many sort of things like that out there. Oh, yeah, we need to. I need to go and drive some more. I'm going uh, to drive the E Type UK V12 Unleashed. Oh um, wow! I don't know if you come across that. No, it's like no. a. It's like a resto mod, not quite a resto mod. Like one of the E types, like a V12 E type. So what's that type? What are they? What are they called? Uh, Version three. Yeah, but then series three. Series three. Yeah, series three. That's what they're called. Um, but kind of like taken up and all the random stuff fixed and, and all of that stuff lovely. and then you get a silly price like well it's not silly when you consider the amount of effort but you know three four hundred grand or something like that um so i I'm drove my first e-type tomorrow. not that long ago and it was it was a series one two plus two so as the owner said it's the it's the least desirable of the most desirable because <laughs> it's like kind of bubbly <laughs> bubbly back yeah, 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 a yeah, beautiful yeah. thing to drive so smooth but that for me that that's my this year is definitely drive as many oddball cool cars as possible um, yeah i don't want I, I i've i often don't like talking about what i'm gonna drive or things i've got planned in the future because i jinx it and don't it doesn't happen but it's true i haven't driven this thing yet so um, <laughs> yeah but i um i am in the process of planning in fact i booked my flights yesterday i've been invited to italy to pagani to have a look around the pagani factory Ooh. in italy 
and uh, uh, yeah, and um, I I am hoping very much that I'm going to get to drive uh, the Wire of BC Roadster. Yeah, <laughs> nice. So, well, mm. that that would be pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, I know. I... <laughs> Although I'm ma- ma- <laughs> massively intimidated, but yeah, um, it's. Uh, but yeah, so so those types of things, you know, you that's you work in the background trying to get you know contact companies and get access to stuff. But um, you you seem to be you're you're very good. I, I guess it's it's extending your reach to get guests on the podcast of of getting access to some mate. Some of the things you've done, some of the cars you've driven, the it's, resto it's mod really stuff, tricky. especially. I, I now have uh, over here. I'm not going to show it, but a, a big whiteboard that's. I don't know how big it is. It's like a couple of foot across, three, four foot, three foot across by four foot down or something. And it is full of, uh, column in the left is people to contact. So like people I kind of, you know, want to get in touch with. Um, And then the next column is like in the process or have sent a message to. And and then it's like, you know, have we agreed anything? Have they replied or whatever? And I'm I'm like there with one of those. Brilliant idea. And it's, it's easily 50 or 60 people down and that's in the first first list of people i wanted to talk with and it's easily the same in the we're in the process of yeah that but like getting from you've sent a message and they've replied to recording is not easy like it's it's it can be easy certain people great but like that i spend far too much time i think i spend about the right amount of time but just trying to put them together yeah and it gets easier over time but it's that is i think that's probably like you with like booking cars and things like why if you can tie up with someone that can possibly provide whether it's one car a month or, or whatever it is yeah then at least you've got probably one car a month you don't have to worry about yeah it's a heartbeat i mean i'm yeah two i do an update video and but, but two videos a week so you've always got to have this kind of constant and and i've just come back from holiday so my to edit file on my computer is empty <laughs> so i'm literally hand to mouth at the yeah. moment so i'm filming tomorrow and that's friday's video and you know it's wednesday now so it's it's that's never a good place to be in it, you must be the same it's you know you must have to have some banked and recorded and uh, you know that that yeah. just takes the pressure off so much because all you need is a is a bad weather day or a car fail i mean i had a, a couple of really cool cars i was due to film earlier this year um and both cancelled one was a um a, a historic um car and that that failed to start the day before they couldn't get the car working so we had to we had yeah. to can that um and then that yeah, puts you out totally yeah and it's it's getting cancellations like occasionally for me for some reason or other someone let's say can't do a podcast um or we had bad weather like the first time i went to drive this drive this e-type it then torrential rain and it was a customer's car and it was like let's not let's not like get this all it was like ready to be shipped like let's not just do this um but you know you lose half a day and and then with the podcast sometimes people can't do it because you're generally trying to get some of the most important people from whoever and I'm, just I'm, sometimes I'm stuff comes in up. awe of some of the people you've had on here you know from from 
Oh, oh God, no. Uh, Christian von Koenigsegg to, you know, some of the, yeah, I mean, personal that, highlight. That, that, was, that sure. was amazing. I was like, when, I, when that came up on the list, I'm like, he's got Christian von Koenigsegg. Wow. Okay. I'm listening to this because I mean, that guy from an engineering point of view, I think that company do yeah, some of the cool. most unbelievable stuff. I mean, I could, I, I just want to know more about the free valve technology and stuff in the Koenigsegg than I do. Cause yeah. uh, you, you learn, the more you learn about it, the more you realize you don't actually really understand most of it because it's so complex. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And you're like, why is this not in all combustion engines? And like, if we weren't, let's say everything's been turned around to say we're doing EVs now. Mm. Um, if that was, if the sort of sideline of well, you might be able to do combustion engines depending on what they run on was allowed to continue things like that because i think with the jamera gamera however mm-hmm. you say it that engine is like it's quite a lot more efficient yeah, yeah. than any other yeah combustion engine yeah why like by by an amount that people are, I, I don't know what the amount is but even if it was 10% mm. that's significantly more than people have gained like you look at engines for the last 20 years they're not twice as as efficient hmm. they might be but like they're not really like, no, they're you, only in there you're even, not getting even 100 a, mpg out like, of a v8 30% efficiency 40% at best from a from an internal combustion engine yeah was a motor electric motor yeah. 90 95% efficiency I mean, that that, that, so, that was the interesting when I, I drove the Mirai, the the hydrogen car, and that mm. you know, don't get me wrong, hydrogen has has its challenges um, it, it creating it in the first place. But what that that car did for me was just make me think: well, why is the narrative so focused around one particular solution being mm. a battery electric vehicle? Why why aren't we? Um, we, I mean, not just. You know, I, I think the the government, the car industry, the population of people buying cars, we kind of need yeah. to just have a bit more of an open dialogue. I think. I think. I think it needs to be a mix of bevs, hybrids. I know you hate hybrids, but I'm a big plug-in hybrid fan. Um, I, don't, I don't hate them. <laughs> I just think they're not the best solution yet. They, no, I, although, they are what they are. I want so for the reason I brought. So, so I I think they nearly are. So I've, I'm running a high plug-in hybrid at the moment, and for me, for mm-hmm. my lifestyle, um, for if it was just for for Tracy, my wife, going to work and back, I'd buy a mini electric, like bit like your little Peugeot, 120 yep. odd miles of range perfect perfect car i've got a seven kilowatt charger at home um that would be perfect because she never does more than i don't know 15 20 miles a day uh and you could go yeah you could go shopping in and stuff brilliant um the problem is if you want to go a bit further than that you could go full-blown bev but 250 miles 300 miles depending on which one you buy is probably the yeah. kind of range you're looking at most of the time for me that would be great but i do quite a lot of miles so I do regularly journeys of more than two, 250 miles in a day. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And as soon as you do that, as soon as you go beyond the range of a car, you're then at the mercy of charging infrastructure and finding somewhere to charge it at night time. Totally. The reason why I love the plug-in hybrid uh, and we've got a Toyota RAV4 at the moment. That will do 40 miles pure electric. So for the Tracy going to work and back, we just plug it in every night. Yep. She never fires up the internal combustion engine. But if I want to go yep. 250 miles to 300 miles, I just run it as a hybrid. And it does 55 yep. miles to the gallon. And so if it, if it was just a one car, that would be me. Yep. But with one caveat, 100%. I want a FEV that does 100 miles pure electric. The only problem with that is then you've got the batteries and the weight and all that kind of stuff. And I understand that's yep. why they don't do them. But I th- then, you know, you could go... You're starting to see 60 miles. Yeah. Uh, that kind of like number BMW, for me gets exciting then. And I, th- I think a hybrid is is a really, really, you know, it ticks lots of boxes. Um, yeah. I don't know why we don't... I think Mercedes did it, don't they? We don't really get many hybrid diesels. Never quite understood that. When <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering whether it's the transition think, between the two, maybe I don't know. Firing up a no, diesel, no, and I think turning it's pure. I, I don't know, but I think it's like the marketing spin. Yeah, like diesels are just not an accepted thing anymore. No. Like people are like I'm not buying a diesel. Oh, I, I'm just yeah. not doing yeah. it, even though people do. Yeah, it's like not you know. It's like you should buy an electric car. You should definitely not buy a diesel. So la- last year I drove the Jaguar F Pace three liter diesel. Okay. Mm-hmm. what an amazing car beautiful engine i like uh, silky smooth loads of torque brilliant thing really good miles per gallon it was a brilliant car but it's a diesel so no one want to buy it because especially nowadays because the diesel's yeah. at like one pound 80 a litre or something in your my and okay if you've listened to a lot of the podcasts you, you will have heard this side of it my problem with the the hybrids if it's kind of like a car to get you around, then maybe you don't mind. But for me, all of the hybrids I've driven, the plug-in hybrids, the electric powertrain, if you're driving on electric only, is a pretty rubbish electric powertrain experience because they've got no power whatsoever. They're not no no power, but, you know, they're not very quick. And if if you're buying a... It depends where you're pitching it. If it's like I've bought a nice sporty car... And it's a plug-in hybrid, and I'm going to use do that. You're carrying around a, maybe a great sounding, usually not these days, but great sounding heavy engine that you don't get to enjoy. Yeah, and you've got really rubbish EV performance. Yeah, that you're using all the time. So why not just get? <laughs> like, it, I just feel like they're just not quite. I I, I do the small I, Toyota Yaris hybrid that it's non-plug-in or whatever that will do like eighty mpg all day long everywhere. Totally brilliant. Yeah, but like, and I see how it works for a lot of people, but they're really heavy. Yeah, they are, and and I guess I mean I said so that the Rav I've got at the moment that it's I think the electric motor is about one hundred and twenty horsepower something like that, so it's not around town, mm. you know, 
for city driving, it's fine. And it'll do 80, over 80 miles an hour on pure electric. So it, it's not one of these ones that where you push it too hard and the petrol engine kicks in. It will stay yeah. in EV mode. And But yeah, I, I do get it. And it, I think it's just, I guess, if you if you can have multiple cars, um, you know, and an electric car for me, if you, if you for us, having a, a small city electric car for the daily commute and shopping and that type of stuff, and then something else, a family wagon, yeah. you know, either a hybrid or a, uh, you know, a, a, a big V8 or something. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. I think we're very much in a transition period. Like, and I think for most people, if you want to have, let's say, less emissions in town or something like that, mm. then a plug-in hybrid makes sense. But I feel like in five years' time, plug-in hybrids will be replaced by better electric cars. Yeah. And you'll get them with like more range and it's just going to be a better car. And at the moment you could just have a, a petrol or a diesel that's significantly more efficient than this plug-in hybrid. Mm. Realistically, maybe not in town. So that's the balance. Yeah. Um, and just wait yeah. and then do the change. The, but the bit, I get it. The I, bit I haven't, I mean, I've only seen the Mercedes, what was it? The, the concept EV that they bought out, uh, last year that would do like mm-hmm. 500 odd miles or something that was the first yeah. the first manufacturer that that i can you know openly saying they bought an ev and it wasn't all about not 60 times and power and you know it was about economy and range and you know you drive yeah. most most electric cars are so powerful and so quick they don't need to be if you paired them back and gave them i, I can't believe i'm saying this it makes me sound like such an old fuddy-duddy but a couple of hundred horsepower uh, and just two-wheel drive, they'd probably go on a 100-kilowatt battery pack. They'd go twice as far. You know, they don't they don't need to be that fast. They don't need to have that much performance. If range is, so, if range is what you want, if you paired the power back a bit, yeah. then potentially you're going to get the range that everyone is crying after. Now, I'm not sure of the science and physics of it, but let's say if you just look at, like, the teslas mm-hmm. at the moment they're like the, the ones that do the furthest range what are they are they a single motor car with the biggest battery does that do the most range or does a dual motor car with the biggest battery do the most range uh they've all got dual motors i think haven't they the well the, the three and the y have because they've both got dual motors but one i think it's just about the power the the the, the long range one they power, pair the power back a bit i know the mustang mackie does and then, like, let's say you've got a motor and you could put a bigger one in, a more powerful motor. The running that motor flat out in terms of, like, a f- how much power you're using versus a slightly bigger one but at the reduced level. Yeah. I reckon we've got, we're, we're building Do up another podcast. I, I need my mate Moggy on. He'd know. <laughs> so. Like, I don't know the answer to that no. question, like. I mean, but I mean, the 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 um, but I, the, 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 exact, the car I always give a Porsche Taycan is for me one of the best EVs I've driven because it it, it, it 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 kind of feels like a Porsche. But the best Taycan is the cheapest one, the rear wheel drive one. Yeah. It's still faster than most people would ever need, and it it's you know much much cheaper. It's like eighty five plus options, something like yeah. that, that kind of number. Um, it's still ballistically quick. Um, my my um, finance advisor's got one, and he loves it, and it, it, still, it still frightens him so quick. So I don't know. I, I 
I don't know. I think we've fallen into this trap as a manufacturers and stuff. Every, every new car that comes out has to have more horsepower than the next one. And, and actually, Mm. you know, for me, one, one of the things I've learned is, is, you know, when I first started YouTube, I wanted to drive the most powerful car ever. And now actually two or three, well, no, three or 400 horsepower, any more than that. And actually they become so fast, you can't exploit it anyway. One of my favorite cars I've driven is a, an Aston Martin GT8 Vantage. 400 horsepower, manual gearbox. Quite slow. <laughs> not that quick. Sounds amazing. Not that quick at all. Um, but just a, just a sense of theater and drama. And you could take it down a B road, yeah. spank it and, and not be, doing a million miles an hour um and and yep. I, I just, and i got out of that car and just 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 buzzing yeah it wasn't actually that quick and and the thing that yep. people criticized the car for or it's not that fast or it's not that powerful was the thing i loved about it the most because <laughs> you could that's probably why i like i you know. the experience of a gta i've driven tim's a while ago um is like wow this is a real v8 experience mm. but i personally did think it was a look like not quite fast enough like yeah. for its weight yeah it's quite yeah. heavy yeah all that but but like I, fine i i didn't get to spend very much time with it and really like bond and, and whatnot yeah. but your point about efficiency i think it that sort of slightly go back to the evs yeah. and and but actually all cars is we get these num- figures quoted and with evs we get oh what's the range and then Someone will come out. Um, what's that new car that's come out that's got the most range? Um, it's by a company that hasn't made any cars yet. <laughs> so, uh, so, in, so the range is just a fantasy then? <laughs> no, 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 no. I think it, 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 it's it's not Rivian. It's the other one. It's the oh, um, um, it's like a saloon car. Yeah, yeah. Another one you mean? Looks yeah. like, and it looks nice. They've got loads of great people involved in it whatever and they're like it's the first car that will do 500 miles range and i think uh, elon musk came out recently and said look if we'd wanted to make a 500 mile car we could have done it a year ago or two years ago but we didn't want to put 150 whatever it is 150 kilowatt hour battery in a car which is the way that they've done it yeah yes it you know it's efficient to some extent but the thing that never gets talked about, and it's very easy to see in an EV, is the efficiency of the car. Yeah. People look at an MPG, you know, that is efficiency, yeah. but no one really seems to compete too much on it. Yeah. Whereas with an EV, Miles I think you focus hour. on it more because it really does make the difference between whether you get home or not. Hmm. And someone that's bought a, you know, a Taycan, for example, they're really not very efficient they're more efficient than a petrol car or whatever but like you compare it to directly let's say my little Peugeot Tim I think in his Taycan Turbo S used to get two and a half miles per kilowatt hour in my Peugeot I get 3.8 yep ish that sort of amount so not quite double but we're getting towards double and a, and a, on the same charge a- Kia EV6, you're going to be up at four, maybe nearly five. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And because I, I was getting it and go two. I mean, because you can do the maths in your head, right? So, you know, if you've got a hundred, yeah. do, do, I have to make maths easy, but if you've got a hundred kilowatt battery pack and you're doing, 
because this is again for people who aren't in haven't got an EV. You learn all of these new numbers and all of these new metrics very quickly, very quickly. right? <laughs> um, like you know, uh, you know, what a seven kilowatt charger as well. You know, if you're on a on a or a fifty kilowatt charger, that's easy because that's uh, like the beginning of fast charging public infrastructure. If you have a hundred kilowatt yeah. battery pack, a fifty kilowatt charger will charge it in two hours ish. Yeah. It's not quite. It great. won't in reality, no, but, but that's the dream. Yeah, that, that's the that's the simple the, stuff. The early, but the first ten percent and the last ten percent take longer. But anyway, but yeah, the the miles per kilowatt. So if you're doing you know two two and a half miles per kilowatt hour, and you've got a hundred kilowatt battery pack, you're going to do two hundred and fifty miles to a full charge. That's your numbers, right? Yeah. Um. But yeah, you're right. I, you get in some of these cars and. Uh, Audi's the same. The e-trons, I think they're quite quite poor, really. You know, you'd, I would expect yep. them to be th- three or four, maybe. But very rarely do you get a car that's more than three. Um, and I know it depends yeah. on where you drive and it it's... as well. So the most efficient, you know, it's funny. I, you, you, one of the things that people watching YouTube probably don't realize, but you probably get it with you with your channel as well, is when you put something on the internet, um, everybody marks you on it whether <laughs> in terms of whether you're right or wrong and points out your yeah. inefficiencies and the things that you've done incorrectly yeah so the the most inefficient thing you can do with an ev is sit on a motorway in cruise control at 60 or 70 miles an hour you think in a petrol car no, that's as flat out <laughs> yeah that, in a petrol car that's you know 60 miles an hour cruise control that's as efficient as you can be in an ev that's not yeah. it's so you have to drive them in a different way but yeah i you know the efficiency the way you drive it that you you have to learn to drive it differently and and you know i think i know range isn't everything i know the 400 500 miles range thing isn't everything charging infrastructure and being able to quickly top up 20 or 30 minutes of charge and and carry on your way that's yeah. that's what's important um but, but it's it's an interesting one so you're saying that the kia is between four kia, and five kia was pretty now, good when i when a, i had it and is that like there's that mixed use? Yeah, I mean, I I only had it. Um, I had it for a day, so it, it's not very indicative thing. I I literally had it when they just come out from my local Kia dealership, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd like to spend more it's, time in one. But it was it was one of those numbers. You you scroll through the menus on the on the the mm. dash, and you think, oh, hello, that's quite a big number. That's that's the biggest. I can't remember exactly what it was, but that's the biggest number I've seen yeah. miles per kilowatt hour. Um, interestingly, in the hydrogen the... car, it was. Um, yeah. uh, I've got to get this right. It was miles per kilogram of hydrogen <laughs> okay, because yeah. they, you, you weigh, uh, when you, when you talk about hydrogen in a hydrogen car, you talk about its weight, not its volume. Okay. So you can put yeah. in a Mirai, I think it was seven kilos of, of, of hydrogen <laughs> in the car or something okay. like that. That's very weird. So you had a metric there, miles per kilogram of hydrogen. I, I, I sort of hope. And I don't know, but like with this transition, I think it makes people significantly more aware of the efficiency of the car they're driving or lack of efficiency. Like a, a Kia EV6, if you look at it, it is not a particularly efficient car. Like you can tell, it's like kind of big. It's like an SUV. Like that's not going to be that efficient. Um, like a reference point I have on this one for petrol cars recently Sam, seen through glass, had a, what did he have, an X3 M40i. And I have a 3 Series M40i Touring. 
And he was like, I get 25 MPG all the time. In my three series touring, I get 40 MPG. Like, if you're sensible, you get 40 MPG. So, like, that's a significant difference just because you've chosen to be a bit higher up. And in EVs at the moment, everyone's buying SUVs, so they're making a lot of SUVs. And I think for an EV platform, it's quite easy to make an SUV. It's much harder because of the battery packaging and spacing and stuff like that. But I think when the tech evolves and hopefully i think people will realize actually maybe if you have the ability to have two cars maybe you have a small car for most journeys and it can be really efficient yeah like i I want to manufacturers to be going to competing on you know what we've got a 25 kilowatt hour battery but we can do 200 miles we can do 300 miles on you know we get 10 miles per kilowatt hour and that i want that to be something that they compete on i think they will s- slowly the, the, the but cha- it's not the challenge of that though is it's not it's not as sexy as going oh we can do 0 to 60 in 2.9 seconds which let's face it i mean I, it, it is to me yeah yeah well yeah and it is to most. <laughs> so you know I, you know don't get me wrong the first time you launch a car an ev that does 0 to 60 in under three seconds is the coolest thing ever and i said i just had the rse tron gt and i timed that at just under three seconds to 60 and it, mm. absolutely phenomenal thing it, i mean it did 3.4 seconds to 60 four up in the wet in the wet in the rain <laughs> it's amazing yeah. but you do it three or four times and pull the eyeballs out the back of your head and you've done it, it you know that's yeah. its party piece and what you want it to do is is be a usable car um did you did you see that e-tron a6 i was just about to say have you seen the a6 uh, e-tron concept concept there you go uh, uh, i think up until now and and your comment section will probably light up at this point there are very few manufacturers i think mg have an estate ev or, or you know, estate mm-hmm. format ev i don't think there are that's it i think really so so for me Porsche. oh well yeah i suppose now with the with the um sport and cross turismo yeah um it's not a big boot no so that that for me i mean firstly what a good looking car that is oh my days um, you imagine an RS version of that. That's going to be. <laughs> Who needs an RS version? I know. <laughs> the, the normal one, like we say, will be naught sixty in three I've seconds. Just, like, I've just what, done. I've just RS gone. I've just gone exactly against what we were just saying. <laughs> but no, yeah, I, you know, the it, it's got to happen, right? I think. Um, uh, I think my one of my problems with 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 electric and petrol and diesel is the 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 kind of tribalism of. EV owners and petrol it's owners, ridiculous. and, and it, it is it is ridiculous. And and any any car journalist, YouTuber, podcaster, whoever you know, you will come across that really, really quickly. And I just don't get it. I love cars. I don't care whether the car's got a petrol engine, a diesel engine, an electric motor, or a hybrid. I don't care. It, they've all got their own merits and their 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 pluses and their negatives. And you know, I like drivers' mm. cars, and I, I've I, I've come across driver's cars with all of those different types of drivetrains and i really don't understand that and, and it in it the vitriol that comes with some of that tribalism is 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 really not necessary um yeah i think against some there's people on both of that that particular argument sort of not argument because i don't think it's an argument it's like the two sides of like seriously combustion engine ev is the devil <laughs> And the people that are like petrol cars are the devil, EV is the future, and 
whichever brand that they follow is like the sun and 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 all of that sort of stuff like no just be let's let's just everyone just be open yeah and we can talk positive about one thing we can say negative things about one thing yeah. each of these things have their positive and negatives yeah. and i think the the e-tron concept the a6 one was the first ev and i've kind of been waiting for a while to be like i would quite like my sort of family car if possible at some point in time probably to be an ev and i want it to be probably an estate yeah so i feel that will lend itself to being more efficient and therefore you know it can have a smaller battery for the same range yep. which means it will charge much faster and for less money um not that that's going to be a huge part of it but that is an element the speed of charging if it's got a small battery it's going to charge faster yeah um well, but something like that and that evolution and if they chase efficiency and it keep they keep getting more efficient and let's say they're twice as efficient you're like you can get four or five hundred miles out of the same size battery that you could 200 a year ago brilliant yeah i mean i think that there's a few elephants in the room i mean my we're just about to have a solar panel um solution put in at home to and replace mm. our oil boiler with <laughs> talking about petrol. Oh, okay. so that, petrol this prices. Is interesting. So petrol price. You know, people are moaning about petrol being one pound seventy a litre or something. Yeah. Heating oil. So uh, heating oil. The last time I bought heating oil was about four months ago, and it was forty pence a litre. It's currently two pounds a litre. Yeah. And I buy a thousand litres at a time. <laughs> so this is why you've got. Some... So we're going. Yeah, we're going. We're going. Um, but uh, solar panels on the roof, air source heat pump. Tesla Powerwall, and then that means I'll be able to charge the electric car for free because it will That's come straight really off, off the PVs on the ground. I love the concept of this. Mm. Um, I have a few questions. Air source pump, yeah. is you, how efficient is your home already and do you have underfloor heating and stuff we like that? We have underfloor heating and uh, the, the, the home is, is, is pretty well insulated. It was, it was renovated. We live in a converted barn, but it was, it was insulated yeah. and renovated. Um, about 10 years ago. So we, we are well insulated. Um, we can't, so the air source heat pump, so we're going to take our oil boiler out and replace it with air source. There's a conversation between air source and ground source where you dig the pipe either vertically down or horizontally, but we're going to go for the air source okay. um, one. Um, yeah. The amount of solar panels we can put on the roof mean that in the deepest, darkest depths of winter, when the daylight isn't, you know, days aren't as long yeah. and it's quite cold. We won't be off grid. We'll still have to pull power from the grid to to power the the heat pump to keep the house warm. Yeah, yeah. But in the summer, um, we'll go the other way. So we'll generate excess electricity and feed that back into the grid and sell it to our electricity provider. Hopefully, um, that's good. Um, I, I I love the idea of this. Um, I mean, we're, in, we're financially, have you worked out your break even for uh, in time? Well, <laughs> no, not yet. It's quite, a, quite a while. You don't do it. I don't think you do it for, for financial break even straight away. I mean, the, the solution for us, we live in a three bedroom barn and it's, it's 30,000 quid's worth of investment in the house, um, to, to do it. Okay. So it's a big, yeah, yeah. a big chunk. We're converting, uh, we've got a three, three, uh, bay cart barn that we're converting into a garage and an office and a gym and stuff. And we're doing it all at the same time. Um, mm. So at that time, we've, we we just feel it's the right thing to do. I think taking our, yeah. uh, getting rid of the oil, we've never been a big fan of the oil. Um, and yeah. then just future saleability of the house, I think come 5, 10, 15 years time, if you've got a house that yeah, yeah, yeah. that has a solar solution in place, 
I think it will be it will be a, an attractive thing. And I think at the end of the day, in 20, 30, 40 years' time, we'll all be in that boat anyway. Um, well. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's a really interesting one. Is like If you're running uh, an EV, mm. you're, you're running an EV a lot of the time. Um, if you can have some sort of like a, a power wall or similar, um, even if I where i am now i'm renting and i couldn't i couldn't do any of this stuff and maybe when we eventually when we find somewhere we might be able to do it but i even love the idea of just ha- just having the power wall and charging it in the like ev cheapy cheap charging yeah cheap electricity at night 6p or whatever kilowatt yep. rather than 20 or whatever however this is going to escalate over time and just having a bit of like you choose when you take your electricity um, I mean, you, it would be really cool when EVs become part of that system. Well, because te- Tesla have got the whole it, it can store. car to grid stuff. They, in theory, they can do it now because you can mm. power a, a, a typical family home from a Tesla hundred kilowatt car for three or four days. Um, and and actually, a, pa- yeah, probably, a power wall probably quite a lot. A more. power wall is just a big bank of Tesla batteries. Um, they're not cheap. The yeah. power wall's eight thousand quid <laughs> for a Tesla power wall. Yeah. Um, so no, we we started at we'll get some EVs or some PVs on the roof to to charge the car for free, and then we've yeah. expanded it from there on. But I mean, the elephant in the room I was mentioning before is is that's all well and good. Like me, I've got off street parking. We're very fortunate. But if you live in, yeah. like you said, rented accommodation, or we've got a friend of ours who lives in a beautiful development um, of it was the old Ovaltine factory near Kiggs Landley, and they've got their cars are parked in a garage but they can't get the landlord to put charges in the garage so they can't have electric cars. Or if you've got shared parking or if you live in a flat and you're on street parking, that for me, that's the thing that I don't think there's a conversation about uh, uh, that we should be having. And I know in parts of London they're changing, they're putting charges on lamps, lampposts and stuff like that. One of the cars we did. got that on my street, but that's not enough. No, 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 no. I Um, not by a long because way. Because if you if you own an electric car and you're using public infrastructure to charge it, it's going to cost you just as much as running a petrol car. Because, you know, Could depending do, yeah. on, on your tariff and who you go and get charged with. Um, whereas, like you said, if you've got on one of these lovely energy providers that, that have cheap overnight tariffs and stuff, I mean, my mm. my car charge is linked to my smart meter and knows what tariff I'm on. And I just say, right, I want the car charged yeah. by nine o'clock tomorrow morning and it charges it at the cheapest rate it can. Um, so you yeah. get some, there's some mega technology and I love all that technology stuff anyway. But, um, so I'll keep you posted about the PVs. Yeah, that's part of it for me yeah. as well. <laughs> what gadgets. Is I, I love the tech. Yeah. <laughs> I love gadgets. I so I'm like, if, if my house, if I could get the power from the sun and then I'm not, you know, let's just say for some reason the power goes yeah. out. In, in the street or whatever i'm still there broadcasting like so what you are i was i was doing my you know remember we had those big strong storms the other week or a couple of months a month ago yeah. i was delivering online training to a client because i still do a little bit of my training job still um to a client yeah. in singapore and we were because of the time difference it was one o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock in the morning and the power went out at about half past two <laughs> no power so i quickly hot spotted my phone and 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 i had enough battery on my mac and my phone to last me through the power cut but i was flapping like a good but had i had the power wall i wouldn't have needed to worry so there you go do you do you have a op something mine's it's got apc written on the front but i can't i can't remember what the 
phrases, but it's basically a battery that your computer plugs into. Uh, no, no, um, an uninterrupted power supply. I, yeah, 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 UPS, UPS that's yeah. the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought one after a... It was, it was the... It couldn't have been more a worse time to have the only power cut I'd ever had in 10 years at my previous place yeah. when I was doing the backups between two big raid drives yeah. and like copying sort of one to the other and they both just went yeah <laughs> yeah because you need luckily it was fine but after that i bought one of these because doing this you'd probably need two you need an ups for your computer and a ups for your wireless router <laughs> yeah the router would go down at, at, at that house my router was plugged into the ups yeah. so technically yeah. i could continue gaming for about 30 <laughs> minutes after the power went yeah. down or whatever but it it was just a, a, and, a buffer i know i so, know we're we're, we're, okay, we're we... talking like while we're talking about gaming you and i need to get on a sim at some stage <laughs> and have a race what are you running at the moment i'll, I'll move my camera i feel like your setups got extreme nice i mean that's it what do you know what are you running direct drive yeah, direct drive wheel yeah um nice so it's motion uh, motion simulation lc uh, series um but yeah so it's a it's a great and then i most of the time i'm on iRacing. i've got i've got them all but i just gen, i just generally play with iRacing. so how do you deal with and you might have the solution i have with iRacing in cars that don't have abs i to be honest can't be bothered driving cars that don't have abs <laughs> in iRacing because it's just i just far off the track I, and like it's i am I'm pretty. I just end up always driving the same car. I end up driving a 911 um, GT uh, R, I think something like that. Um, and that doesn't have ABS. Uh, no, it can't. Well, it must have because I just smash the pedal whenever I get to a corner. So I don't like you know. It must have. Yeah, it. yeah. There's that. There's a there's okay, a radical that's what, as well, that's which the is car quite, I need to quite drive. good fun. That's quite good fun. But I don't have a steer. I have the. Um, I've got I've got a clutch pedal, but I have to change gears with the paddles because I don't have a, a you know. A, a yeah, gear. yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I just don't. Spend why would time. you not like? Yeah, it's 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 a good pastime. My favorite, I think, at the moment, I spend a lot of time on Assetto Corsa. Not loads of time, but like the time I do is an Assetto Corsa with various road cars sliding around and whatnot. And generally, I was chatting to someone about this at the weekend. Actually, working on hand positioning on a steering wheel when you need to apply more than, like, crossed over arms amount of... Yeah. Like, you just need... You because need, that you know, like the, 100% translates... The, the guy out of Fantastic Four, where you can kind of twist your arms around and sort of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's interesting. You watch different, let's say, maybe uh, someone like Chris Harris or Jethro or different people, but everyone has their own take on mm. it. And I would say it's slightly different. If you're intentionally going to slide a car, you probably do stuff differently to if you accidentally yeah. slide a car. Yeah. So if it's a race car, most people bang on the most amount of lock straight away and then your arms hit each other and then you've got to do something to do more lock. Yeah. If you watch someone who who I think is probably the peak is, is, is up there, Gavin Kershaw of Lotus... Right head of vehicle dynamics and making Lotus, Lotus drive like Lotuses. Yeah. Um, he does, he does the full lock. So your arms almost like hit each mm. other. And then let's say you're, 
turning the wheel left. Your right, right hand goes over the left yeah. one. Then you get to a point. He takes the left hand off, right is still on it, and then re-grabs back right round on the right hand side of the wheel and adds more. Wow. So like pulls it a bit more. And then to unwind, he lets go of the left. The right is still on it, but like way round and then comes back round. And he never lets go of the wheel. Ever. He's in like full yeah. control of the wheel the entire time. And that is actually, when you look at it and you then try it, it's really impressive. I think for me, uh, if I could have a, a you know a superpower, it would be that to be able to do that in a car. Because for me, uh, you know, you yeah. watch these guys and you know the really top drivers that can do that, and they've gone. Um, and I'm, if I lose the back end of a car unintentionally, my, my instant reaction is, "Oh shit, what have I done?" Whereas those guys yeah. go, "You've got this," and put more throttle on, and, and you know, and, and 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 just go with it. And I think it's crossing that yeah. crossing that line between ah and and you know resisting the take your hand off the steering wheel, take your foot off the throttle, which is the worst thing yeah. you can do, and just and and, and going that with it. Me. That that's a big step, um, especially if it's not your car yeah. and you're at a circuit that's got you know, rubber walls and things like that around you. Um, yeah. I'd love to be able to do that. Um, I- but you can a hundred percent learn that on a sim. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you play something like Assetto Corsa, I think it's probably one of the most realistic. Yeah, I racing, yeah, but it doesn't. It's not really set up for sort of messing around quite so much. Um, and you can work out, like let's say the hand stuff. Yeah. You can start yeah. thinking about it and go right. Yeah. I'm going to take this one corner fifty times, and yeah. I'm going to try and slide it. And yeah, it won't feel quite the same. It was not going to feel the same as doing it in a car. But you can work out the hand stuff. And you can yeah, try yeah. different ways of doing it. And you're like, well, yeah. what am I going to do with my hands? Lots of, lots of people, when they're drifting, do like a let go and a catch, which when you're drifting works really well. And then you sort of reshuffle it around or whatever. Or you do like a, they take their hands and they, one hand sort of passes the wheel sort of underneath to the other one. And then you've done, you basically put on an extra half, you've got an extra half of lock that you can then, wing it round and then you undo that extra half that's what most people when you see them drifting like chris harris you'll see one hand come underneath to the other hand then the other hand grabs on the wheel where they've joined and then takes it the rest of the way around you see that a lot um but you can try all these things on a sim and you can try it on one corner and just keep doing it keep doing it i'm gonna do now i'm gonna Um, go on my sim and play (laughs) yeah and then when you go to a track, and ideally somewhere where you, you've got a, a hairpin type situation where you're not going anywhere or whatever, yeah. but like that muscle memory is there. Yeah. And your hands do the right things if you've practiced them on a sim. If you consciously practice these different ways of doing it and watch, you know, watch your favorite person yeah. and watch what they do with their hands and try and replicate yeah. that. That muscle memory, if you do it enough, you do it a thousand times. Well, when in a real car it comes up, your hands will do the hand bit, and then you can work the rest out. So next next time I'm on I'm on some press launch and I stick a car in the barriers, I'm just going to say Sam told me that's your fault <laughs> that my muscle <laughs> no, memory would be there. No. <laughs> yeah, and 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 it wasn't. Yeah, no, you didn't put enough time no, in. No. <laughs> Need more sim time. School there are also era. loads of other elements. Yeah, school like boy era. correct speed and yeah right amount of throttle yeah. and all that sort Need of a stuff big airfield but, um, with nothing to hit yeah yeah 
Yeah. We all need a big airfield and unlimited tires, yeah. which is what you basically used to get as a press journalist. Yeah. You go to Bedford once a week and someone else's car. <laughs> That's how you get good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you, but I know we, we seem to have clocked a fair it's amount of time. Good, it's good you have done made a, do you make a TV show? Yes. So uh, series two. So the first time I, we did a podcast, um, the first time I appeared, I was filming series one, a vintage voltage. Mm. Um, and then, uh, that, that, the end of that series, we got clobbered a bit by lockdown. So be two years ago, we, we had to stop filming and we, we lost the last two, two or three weeks of filming. Uh, and then, then we yeah. started series two again. So it's based in a, uh, garage in mid Wales called electric classic cars. And we take classic cars and we rip the engine out and we stick an electric motor in and turn them into electric cars. Um, and it's on the telly box at the moment. Um, so it's it's been great to to kind of you know the the to to see the episodes because the first series I got to see rough cuts of all the episodes this time I haven't so the first time I'm seeing it yeah. is when it actually hits the telly so it's been good. What has been your favourite conversion? Let's say of the latest. Uh, series? I, that's super easy. I, I I actually did a video on the channel. We had a a guy who had a classic mini. He's been in the family for years. He actually learned to drive in it when he was a 17-year-old. Mm-hmm. And he put a 300-horsepower small Tesla drive unit in it from a – it'd be the drive units on the front wheels of a – or front axle of a Model S. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, 300 horsepower. Still on 10-inch wheels. Um, beautiful. Surf blue. Um, so in a really original um, mini color. Absolutely ballistic thing. And we, we filmed that on an airfield, actually. It was the, It was the – it was just brilliant. Um, talk steer. If you ever hear someone complain about talk steer, they have no idea what they're talking about. Basically, uh, this thing. Talk, <laughs> you had to lock your left arm into your into your hip and just hold on tight before you accelerated, because otherwise the wheel would just be ripped out of your hand. It's amazing. One of the things, I, I the lot. It's, it seems for some people, it's a really controversial sort of thing. Putting a electric powertrain in a car. Um, in a classic car, I personally I don't really care. Like I, um, people, I, I do think people can do whatever they like. Well, I was talking really. to I was talking to someone today, and car. I said, "Look, they're, they're all customers' cars. It's their car; they can do with it what they like." Basically, so we did a classic nine eleven, uh, so a two point two point seven RS copy. You'd love that one. That had a four hundred and fifty mm-hmm. horsepower Tesla unit in the back. Amazing thing, absolutely amazing. Um, lightweight fiberglass body. It was super lightweight. Beautiful thing. Um, the the little Fiat 500s they do are great. I see a picture of one of those. The that Ferrari I've driven that. That's a 308 um, GTS with a 450 horsepower Tesla drivetrain. Um, okay, let's take that yeah. car. 308 GTS. Yeah, I've just driven the original. You've now driven yeah. the original. Yeah. Compare the, like what's the two experiences uh, like? I the, the the original. I think it was just the drama and the theatre and the visceral nature of it, the gated shifter, all those types of things. Very very special. Um, but ultimately, they're in modern day terms quite slow cars. Really, they're only kind of you know two hundred something, two hundred fifty horsepower, something like that. Whereas that mm. the you know with the Tesla four hundred and fifty horsepower, um, we do a lot of work on the brakes, the suspension, the weight distribution, and so on. Because three hundred eight's got when the petrol tank drains that change the weight balance completely so they get a little bit more bit more edgy because yeah, all the weights yeah, yeah. on or the t- petrol tanks at the front so as the 
petrol tank drains, you get less weight on the front, so they get a bit bit more understeery. Yeah. Batteries don't change weight when you drain their power. So, um, so yeah, ballistic. But you don't get any of the noise at all. You get like this really weird whine. Uh, and when you overtake cars on the road, they freak out because they see this red Ferrari coming up and expect a V8 whale as you go past. Yeah, and they get yeah. nothing at all. Um, so, yeah, they're... they're they, they, they can be. I mean, Moggy, who owns that, he's got a, a Beetle that's running 650 horsepower, large Tesla performance motor. Uh, that'll do 0 to 60 in about three seconds in a in a Beetle. Um, so yeah, they're, they're amazing. The, it's, and I think it's like ultimately, I, I, I don't mind. Like, pers- I don't have a particular view. I'd like, I'd like to drive some of these things and see what they're like. Something I slightly has, has sort of been mentioned to me by some people um that makes me think is you're taking a a sort of powertrain from a tesla for example which was designed to be an electric vehicle uh you're taking this massive battery pack and this massive motor but maybe the battery pack and putting it in a metal box what sort of thing do they do to limit the let's just say electric like runaway or somehow cables <clears throat> connecting to stuff and your whole car just evaporates like all those sort of things with d- dealing with high voltage systems but in an old car the electric side of of the cars and the batteries i mean an electric battery pack on any electric car is a really dangerous thing so they are uh, mm. able to deliver you know electric um, current that will that will be pretty damaging to you. So the the guys that do all the wiring, very skilled, very trained, and the quality of the wiring and all the the high voltage cabling and stuff um, is is you know really really important to do that properly. Um, in terms of the the, I guess the one of the biggest challenges they're quite heavy, you know, big battery pack. You could be talking 100, 150 kilos for the really big battery pack. So they go in a a, a battery yeah. box that's made of um, of steel, and then it's typically powder coated, and then that's bolted into the car, um, either to a chassis rail or to a you know, so it's it's firmly installed in the car. Um, so there's a lot of thought gone it goes into you know whenever they do a conversion, the the simple questions they ask is okay, well, is it going to be a direct drive mo- motor? So. The, the Tesla units typically they would go through a through a gearbox directly into the wheel hub, so they have just two gears forward and reverse. The older, mm. some of the older classics, if you don't want so much power, they have motors that might be delivering a hundred, hundred and twenty horsepower, and they actually bolt to the existing gearbox of the car. So you'd maintain three pedals. Okay. Um, you don't need all the gears. You ju- they'd normally just use like third and third and fourth, so you can pull away in third gear because the torque is instant mm. um so they're not, not not producing massive amounts of of power and you still get the three pedal driving thing so when you when they do the conversion you know what motor is it going to be um how much range do you want how big's the battery pack going to be and then most importantly where's everything going to go and and they place the battery yeah. packs one in terms of weight distribution two in terms of space but also just in terms of safety Where's it going to go? How's it going to be anchored in, uh, and so on? So th- there's a lot of thought goes into that, um, you know. And, and yeah, it's it's one of those things. I think there's possibly a belief that you can just take an old car 
and just whack in a battery pack and a motor. And I think if you're considering it, you should definitely go and talk to the people that you're considering well, doing with and, and, and ask some of these questions. That, that would, like, you know, what happens if I get hit in the side? Yeah, that, that, that would be um, like me saying, um, I'm going to do a bit of DIY and I'm going to rewire my house. Well, I'm not a trained electrician, so I wouldn't rewire yeah. my house. If you're going to do a, an EV yourself, you need to be a trained vehicle electrician so that you know how to deal with all the various dangers of the battery pack. Because you know, the, you know, you're talking about you know 400 volts and above for some of these battery packs. They're 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 big scary things. Uh, actually, at the workshop, there's a there's an area fenced off where they put the batteries in the battery packs and where they do all the wiring. That you cannot mm. go anywhere near it unless you are one of the trained guys because it's so dangerous. Um, so yeah, they, 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 they take these things really seriously. Um, how do you feel about the, the changing gear element? Like a few people do it and they're like, Oh, you've got like three gears when in reality, like it makes no difference. Uh, you've got the same in every gear. Uh, yeah. I, I've, I've driven a few of the conversions that have still gearboxes in them. We did a Chessel speed. So it's like a Porsche speedster, Carmen gear. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and you basically, for town driving, you just leave it in third. You don't need any more gears. The weird thing is you turn the car on, you put it in gear, you lift your foot off the throttle, or off the clutch rather, and the car's in gear yeah. and on, but it's not moving and you haven't stalled it because you can't stall an electric car. And then you just drive it on the throttle. You don't yeah. actually need the clutch at all. So so why do you put it in neutral? Uh, I guess you don't really need to. You would just, by habit, you would probably, at the end of the drive, put it in neutral. Um, and yeah. then if you... You could leave it, in, put it in third, leave it in third for its entire yeah, life. pretty much. In fact, um, yeah, <laughs> the, in fact, that we did an Isetta, BMW Isetta bubble car, um, this series. Mm. And that, that, um, was the gearbox we actually manually locked into third gear. Um, so we, we, we put okay. a mechanical yeah. linkage in the gearbox. So it was locked in third gear permanently because that's all it needed. Um, and then the we just got the motor to run in reverse for the reverse gear. So it probably technically it goes yeah, yeah, as fast yeah. backwards as it could forwards, but which would be a bit scary. Um, yeah, absolutely. but yeah, the changing gear thing. If you went onto a dual carriageway, you might you might change gear. It would give you a little bit more top end. It would the back the the motor wouldn't rev as much. But um, but yeah, no, they're they're interesting things. And and you know, I I think the the engineering Moggy and the team there. As a so as a company, they they will lend their hand to lots of different types of cars. They've done Fiat five hundreds, are set of bubble cars. They're brilliant at Land Rover Defenders. Mm. The Defender conversions are amazing. Um, and then you look at someone like uh, Everati, who just specialise in one or two vehicles. So they've got their nine eleven. They're just about to do a GT forty. Yeah. That's going to be amazing. So they're taking a super performance GT forty and giving it eight hundred horsepower. They're going to have a, a an electric motor at each wheel, basically. It's an interesting idea. Um, and I, I'm, not, got, I'm not sold on that I one. I can't wait to. Well, I know. I don't know if you've driven a GT40. I've, I'd like I've, to have a go. I've driven a Super Performance GT40, and they are. It's all about the noise, and it's all about the overrun and the flames coming yeah. out the back, and you're not going to get any of that. But it's going to go really fast. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's an interesting thing. I, I'd love to try yeah. one. Um, in terms of the modern stuff, so have you driven the? You've driven the i4 BMW i4 M50. Yes, I have. What's that like? Very good. I feel like that's the most like it's the most the most it seems like a nor- sort of normal, normal car like EV. 
yeah, it, it's it's like an it's a, it's a four series Grand Coupe, isn't it? Really, it, it's a brilliant thing. It's got that big sweeping uh, screen. So if you don't like your screens and your touchscreen, you might not like the interior. But mm. as a car, brilliant performance. Um, and you know, I, I I drove that car for forty minutes to an hour. I didn't get to really get yeah, under yeah. its skin. Um, but very very good car. The other the other new BMW electric car that's brilliant is the iX. Now you might not like the looks of it. But that, that's the big kind of yep. SUV thing with the big um, beaver teeth grill on the front. But my yeah. days, is it a good car? If you, you know, in terms of the interior and stuff, it's a stunning thing. But I'm just not, it just so, doesn't look great from the outside. So why, why, I mean, why, why, <laughs> why do this to us? Why cause us these headaches? What, like A challenging car. The like last that. time we yeah. saw each other. Yeah, I know. The last time we saw each other was actually at a BMW yeah. press drive yeah. day. Um, I drove a few cars, but the standout for me was the M3 yes. X-Drive. I'd not driven yeah. that before, um, which actually I thought was brilliant. I really yeah, liked that car, car. Yeah. Um, apart from the front. I just don't, I just don't like <laughs> and I drove. And I drove the um, um, M4 X-Drive competition convertible and loved it. But okay. it's got the same front. No, yeah. I personally, I don't mind. I, I, I've got over it. I don't. I've not got a big thing about it at all. I, I just think yeah, it, they are ballistically quick cars. Though. They're fantastic. But yeah, surprisingly fast. That was surprisingly yeah. quick to me. Like you, like do you need to go faster than this? And then the way that X Drive works, you're like this. You can really like go for it in that car without worrying yeah. about well, even even the know, two wheel drive much, ones but, got so much traction. To be honest, they're phenomenal things, but. But yeah, mm. the styling, uh, uh, yeah, especially the IX is that. But the IX it, it, that really does sort of, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I guess they're doing this thing. Everyone's moaned about it. We're gonna moan about it. But like the interior looks great. Everyone says it's a really good car. But yeah, anyway, whatever. We need some more. <laughs> it drive it small. I want some more small yeah, electric cars. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree. Small yeah, efficient. Absolutely. Kind of like small, the small efficient and <laughs> estate like, so you can put baby stuff in the back and bikes and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And get good yes. range and like be somewhat yes, efficient. Exactly. But it, it'll be interesting to see how this evolves over the next cup five yeah, years I or think, so. I think um, with 2030 and 2035 looming, um, I think, I think it will be interesting. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. If we're doing anything, anything else that stands out that you can think of in the last, I don't know, um, six months? You know, you... you Pista? I drove a Pista. Pista. Yeah, that was pretty special. I had the... Um, for theatre, I had the 812 GTS from Ferrari. That was that was my mm. first Ferrari press car, so that was a special, a special thing. Um, you know, the... It's like one and done now. Yeah, just... The, the, yeah, the just that was amazing. Um, I, it's funny, I... The, the the obvious the obvious cars are you know Cayman GT4 brilliant car, but but then it's it's other it's other things that you wouldn't expect to be that that brilliant you know uh, the, the the kind of just a normal normal family car sometimes that that will surprise you. I still have a, quite a fond spot for a Suzuki Swift Sport. Bizarrely enough, I drove that like two or three years okay. ago. Yeah, not a particularly expensive car, but oh what a what a hoot! Brilliant fun Fiesta ST, brilliant car. Um, yeah. Puma ST, brilliant car. Yes. Um, uh, so th- those types of things, you know, sometimes it's the, 
it's the 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 lower end stuff that puts a bigger smile on my face than 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 the higher end stuff obviously getting to drive ferraris and stuff is always very special but um but yeah i drove a mark one golf with a mark four golf 20 valve engine in it recently that was just ridiculous thing um so i love the i love the bizarre (laughs) stuff i don't know whether i spoke to you last i drove a fiat 500 with a hayabusa bike engine in it that was the most bonkers thing i've driven i think you might have just driven that that. was that was insane Um, brilliant in a brilliant way but yeah so i i that's why you know the 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 going back to what we were talking about earlier on in the, the chat about bonhams and just getting access to just really really weird things and and, and interesting things yeah um, um i'm really in like a modified messed with cars like i, I, I want to see people doing stuff that's like a bit stupid or they've changed it because they think they're going to make it better um a, a, like a really nice version of that recently i saw uh i had a passenger ride in a it came in gt4 so 718 gt4 but it had shorter gearing oh excellent and transformed <laughs> the car I, like already yeah. great uh, i uh, when i got that when i got the caveman it's the same for i've driven the spider as well the 718 spider and uh, the manual one mm. and i just didn't want to be cliche go oh the gearing's too long but you drive one and the gearing's too long <laughs> So you can't not say anything about it. That's it. It was, we were on some sort of small British back roads and what was the company? I can't remember. They're like a sort of Porsche specialist northwest of London and they sell a lot of cars and they do the Manti racing stuff in the UK. Um, And this was a Manti gearbox change. And I I went out, they took me out on some back roads and I was like, and I'd just been in a friend's, this is an, an interesting one. He is having a GT3. So he bought a, a PDK mm-hmm. GT3, 991.2. Uh, took the wing off. So he's had it touring mm-hmm. converted. He's put clear glass in the back because he didn't have clear glass and he wanted clear glass. And he's put rear seats in it. Wow. Uh, uh, and then changed the suspension yeah. as well. So I drove that car. And I'm going to do I'm gonna do something with it at some point when we can do it. But I drove it for 10 minutes. And... That was pretty cool. I think that's quite a, for me, that's quite a cool conversion yeah. and a cool thing to do. Um, but then they took me for a spin in the GT4. And on the same roads, the GT4 was a much nicer car. It's like smaller. The suspension was mm-hmm. more compliant. Like it went down the road really nicely. It sounded pretty good. And you could rev it out more because it's, it's got less power and the gearing yeah. was like a bit shorter. And I thought, you know what, uh, a spider with the shorter gearing is probably like an amazing weekend fun road yeah. car. Don't don't necessarily go on the track occasionally, yeah. Yeah. but like it's not going to be the track mm. weapon. But as a road experience, that's probably pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know. That, 992 GT3, I drove that not that long ago. And that, that again, great car. And you just just hate anyone who's got one of those, basically, because I'd want one really badly. But, um, yeah, I think I think there's there's a space. What did you think of the ride um, and steering? Uh, <laughs> I knew the steer, The second I got in it at Porsche Reading, I, I, I turned full lock and got the Ackerman. Bum, 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 bum. I thought, okay, this is going to be a bit... Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's um, direct. Um 
like I thought my very I thought direct. my mini was pretty like because I've got a really aggressive setup on my little mini roadster, uh, and it it's nothing compared to the Porsches. Like it, you 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 have to be on it, otherwise you're going to stick it in a hedge, uh, and the ride is pretty firm. Yeah, uh, I was more I think less. Less worried about the ride quality. Everyone said how firm it was. That wasn't too bad. I've got I've got a car on coilover, so That's it's not right. too bad. It was just the steering is so sharp and and so direct. Um, in a in a good way on a track, I'm sure. On the road, sometimes it could track and and kind of follow the road a little bit. And and mm. if you weren't on your A game all the time, you're gonna you're gonna end up, um, you know. It, uh, having some amusement i think it reminded me a bit of the mini gp3 actually because the mini gp3 is like you oh, know okay. you put your foot down in that as you're overtaking something you hold on tight otherwise you're going to literally going to be in a hedge <laughs> um but but the the, <laughs> yeah. the the gc3 is way better than the gp3 so yeah so yeah, it was good yeah yes it's that was the i someone let me drive theirs for a little bit yeah. like 20 minutes and the first thing that stood out to me was the steering. Like it's, this is seriously, it's quite a, a, like an aggressive setup in terms of how much it tracks the road and camber yeah. and whatnot. But in terms of feeling and sort of that stuff, significantly different to the previous yeah. car, like noticeably more kind of hardcore than the previous car. Um, but yeah, an, an interesting one. And then we've got today, Release the GT4 RS oh, videos oh, from no, everyone. <laughs> um, that looks like a great yeah, car. It's, it's that, I mean, that's it looks like a great car. And then it looks like a fun car. And I think it's that, like the ethos of that car, to me, makes more sense actually than a GT3 yeah. RS. Because GT3 RS has got to the point and we're going to see the new one come out, which is going to be mental. <laughs> But that's basically a track toy that you can drive yeah. to the track rather than a fun road car. And I think the GT4 RS probably does that. I, I, I drove the GT3 and thought, really how are they going to make car. a GT3 RS? Because this thing's just amazing. So, um, it's the, And it's the most RSE GT3 by yeah. quite a long way. Yeah, because I've, I've driven a 991 yeah. GT3 RS. Um, I'm aware that we're we are chuntering along. and It's probably, probably, probably nearly tea time. Yeah, have some dinner. Exactly. Um, so I normally wrap this up with five questions. You've been yep. on it a few times, so I'm not going to oh, ask five questions. Um, most most undervalued car at the moment? Oh, man. Um, in, what, in terms of, of where it could go from a... Oh. Yeah. What should be worth more? I, I, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to categorize, rather than a single car, I'm going to just categorize, I think, over the next five years or so, I think... Um, Normally aspirated cars that are driver-oriented sports cars of any kind are going to end up going up in value because I think people are going to start to realise that um, that we're not going to see them anymore. And and I, I already see that in new cars coming yeah. out. They're all hybrids or um, or EVs or, or you know. And I think you know a pure a pure naturally aspirated sports car, whether that's an MX five mm. or whether that's a V twelve mm-hmm. Ferrari. I just think they'll they'll come a point where they'll just naturally start to to either hold hold their value or start some of them will start to appreciate in value because I think people just know they won't and I think the more exotic end of that are likely to go up but I just think we're going to start to see a shift yeah um uh, f- for for looking back and going oh remember that when we used to be able to buy a naturally aspirated petrol car wow and 
and I, yeah. I, I, Rev I don't to think nine that's or that far away. Yeah, <laughs> I really don't. Um, I would love to see before they disappear some NA hybrids. Like I, I'm not particularly bothered about an NA hybrid, but like I'd rather just yeah. NA. But rather than turbo yeah. hybrid, I want NA yeah. hybrid, um, and make them a bit slower, but make them rev to like you know. Let's see some engines rev to like ten yeah. or something. That'd yeah, be amazing. I mean, well, nine. I, is I had a Honda S two thousand for five years, and that was a nine thousand RPM, and it was great because you'd literally you'd hit nine thousand exactly. RPM every day. Um, but yeah, I think I think just generally yeah. that I. I, I in a way, I feel part of it. Me feels a little bit sad when you see all the new cars coming out, and you 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 kind of there's something so special about uh, uh you know an on song V6 V8 or or, or inline mm. five or whatever you know when you when you hear them and to know that you're not going to be able to buy them again soon is quite sad. Yeah, it's a shame. See something uh, briefly touching it the, like the MC20 new Maserati car come out I've, I've watched all the re- a bunch of reviews everyone's like oh it's amazing whatever and I, I unfortunately i can't get excited about that car because as much as you tell me you write in your bits of paper or on your video that it sounds amazing or sounds good i know it does not sound as good as an na v12 porsche 6 and all that stuff it's just it's like 10 15 20 percent less in the sound mm. department and that is the bit that really gets you tingling it's that last bit from like seven to nine that's when like all the fizz yeah. happens yeah yeah it's a shame well it, there's still fun stuff yeah, to try exactly. exactly right most interesting car to you at the moment um i um well apart from the nickels which we've mentioned already because i'm quite closely involved in in in, mm. in following that development of that car um I, uh, the 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 kind of the really high-end hypercar-y stuff doesn't I, I i appreciate it you know valkyries and and t50s and those types of things and and to hear them is amazing yeah. um but they'll they'll i'll never be in a position to able to, to, to afford those so uh actually the the more attainable sports car things as i'm i'm getting to the point where i could maybe you know afford one so you know uh, be that a porsche boxster or cayman or or 911 something like that Mm. you know because they're cars that i'm at a position where i could probably actually afford to buy one so that that's what i'm kind of looking at and googling and trying to work out what what i could have next in my garage that's you know in the kind of 50 to 60,000 pound mark that's you know maybe a touch more than that if i needed yeah. to um and just to try and find what what you've got in that in that in that mark now my, my challenge is i'd love a 911 but to spend that kind of money on an i11 you, you, you're probably still looking at a seven or eight year old car and i can't get my head around doing that if i'm going to spend yeah, yeah, 60 yeah. grand on a car it needs to be mm. 18 months to two years old uh, tops um so yeah. so yeah so that 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 that's it's the what what comes next is it a the little open top two seater is it a fast family wagon is it you know what is it so that that's 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 the best bit you know when you decide you're going to buy a new car <laughs> you start spending lots of time on autotrader and trying to work out what it's going to be and what you can afford um so that that's that's yeah. that's for me the the most interesting thing is trying to work out what's next yeah yeah it's a good um a car that fits into that bracket but not not all of your reasonings 
um, that I, I find really interesting movies. Is that I'm loving all of the the Porsche spiders, yeah. um, but the nine eight seven spider. Yeah. Um, I kind of re- remember those coming out, and like a white nine eight seven spider. They were kind of all white, but um, I just think they've they've aged really well. And they've, they're holding their value, so they're, like, they're kind of like annoyingly expensive for when you look at them. Um, and I think probably they're probably a little bit slow in reality, yeah. but um, I think they're super cool, and I think they're about 40 yeah. or something at the moment. And I think that the um, I, I, I've, I've got offered a, a ridiculous deal on a, one of the last Exiges, an unregistered Exige um mm. 350, and oh, man, I was so tempted with that. But then it's such a... Very focused car, you know, to have to spend that kind of money and have a car. Really, it's just a track day car. You can't really do too much else in it. I liked the Exige, yeah. but I much preferred an Evora. Yeah. And now, I've, now we've got the Amira. Um, the, the Exige for me was just too hardcore it's, yeah. like, for I know. what I would want yeah. to use a car for. Yeah, really, yeah, that's why I didn't buy it. <laughs> but pretty yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Final question. Five car garage, unlimited value. I should have prepped this one. Um, uh, I am going <laughs> to... I knew you were going to ask it as well. Um, I, I'm going to... Uh, hypercar wise, um, I'm going to be really, really boring and just say McLaren F1 because I still think for me that was the poster car of my yeah. of my youth and, and um, I, I still think it's one of the most... Whether it would be a road car one or one of the kind of... Because I live really close to Lanzante. Right, so I drive past the Lanzanti showroom like mm. all the time. They've always got ridiculous McLaren F ones in the car in in the, yeah. the um, in the showroom. So so one of those for sure. Um, I from a practical daily point of view, I think um, something like a fast wagon. I think um, so probably not the size of an RS six, but. Um, I'd say RS4, but actually I'd probably wait and wait for the M3 Touring because I think that's going to be amazing. Um, so I, I think uh, – I don't think we're going to see them until next year, but an M3 Touring. Can I have a car that doesn't actually exist yet? M3 Touring <laughs> I think is all right. Uh, but we know it exists. You could probably order one now by the time we get – so that would be my, my – and that's unusual for me because normally I would be an, an Audi kind of an Audi kind of person. Um, uh, I and you wouldn't go Alpina B3? Uh, oh, I don't know that much about Alpinas, to be honest, um, which is a bad a bad admission. Um, but, yeah, I mean... They're quite hard to find and get hold of yeah, to drive. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I have a chat with Joe. He seems to do that quite well, but he is Mr. BMW, so there we go. Um, I mm. would... I'd really like um, a kind of track day play car but i'm gonna go a bit left field and good mate of mine um they make uh lancia delta integrale rally cars so i would love to have a lancia nice. delta integrale rally car made uh they're about 100 grand Sick. um you know full roll cage that would be cool martini livery that would just be and they are, I've driven his. It's they're like three hundred and fifty odd horsepower. And they're just amazing, amazing things. So that would be my my play thing. Uh, I think. Um, yeah, I'd need to have an electric car in there. I think. Um, so electric wise, mm-hmm. um, I'm probably going to say Taycan Sport Turismo. I think for the at the moment, um, just because I think the styling wise, I think they look great. 
Um, I, I probably wouldn't go as bad as saying Turbo S, but Turbo. And then yep. the last one, I would want some kind of resto mod, I think. Um, and mm. which uh, one? I either the little alpha holics because I just think that's cute and uh, and, and very lovely. Um, yeah. Or one of the, I mean, there's so many different, you're the 911 guy to ask, right? So, you know, from singer to, there's so many of them, aren't there? But when you see one of those. What age do you uh, want? If you're going 911. Kind of so. your, your, have you still got your one? Uh, for now. For now. I don't <laughs> think right, for okay. that long. You've been talking I, about I getting rid of that for so long. Um, it's great. Yeah. So, so that, that kind of yeah, age, yeah. I, uh, but I just think, um, I've got a, my next door neighbor's got a, a I don't know which, what model it is. I'm sorry, my Porsche, Porsche knowledge is, but he's got a Rentec one and it's beautiful little thing, a little duct, ducktail spoiler on the mm. back. And, and it's just really, yeah. really lovely. And, um, there's just something very cool about them. So, um, but I think I would be pipped by, yes. um, Mrs. Greaves. She would want me to have a Porsche Speedster, one of the old, you know, the kind of Kelly McGillis from Top Gun style mm. uh, things. I think she'd like more yeah. things in the garage. So, yeah, that's probably, yeah. That'd so, be nice. Yeah. Crazy, right? We play this game all the time. Though, top five cars. And you could you could go really silly. I had no, oh, I didn't have a racing car, but I suppose my Delta Integrale is pretty, pretty rally car. Rally car. So, yeah. So, yeah, you could <laughs> yeah, rally yeah. Well, that's what my mate Ellis does, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool. Cool. <laughs> what Roy, a monster podcast. Well, thanks very much for, <laughs> for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's been good. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.